Hey, this is Dan Grabbin over there. Is Aaron Fletcher Smith on the phone where I can see him this time? Hi. Hi. You got a face, huh? And this is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama. Music! I like it. I like that one. Thanks. Thanks. That was a rag. And you were on it. Anyway. Start again. All right. Um, so today we are talking about one of my absolute favorite things imaginable. Uh, the one, the only, the great stone face himself, Buster Keaton. I love Yay! this guy. Yay! Woo! Buster Keaton! <laughs> Woo! Shoo, shoo. Woo! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... So Buster was one of the biggest silent comedians. His height was in the 20s. And then uh, he was rediscovered when uh, TV came around. And so in like the mid 50s, early 50s, he people kind of started remembering him. Um, and uh, yeah, he was he was. Uh, he was just enormously funny and where so, I want to interrupt for a sec. So his timeline is silent film twenties and thirties and then later on gets rediscovered again fifties. Right. Okay. And then right. from the fifties until he died in sixty six, I believe. Okay. Um was this sort of like, oh yeah, him and sort of a final okay. lap of oh, cool. appreciation. Oh, neat. All right, all right. Uh, but yeah, the middle part, ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Oh, no. It's one of them stories. One of Another them. child Hollywood actors lost to, <laughs> I guess, whatever they did back in the 40s. Uh, <laughs> opium, jazz, cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what it is. Yep, yep. But the, uh, actually, uh, child child uh, star is right. Um mm. So yeah, uh, and and I'll get to that in one sec. So Buster Keaton, right. overall, his deal is. So this was like the, uh, the late teens and the twenties. Um, the silent pictures were, mostly uh, the comedies were two reelers, and a reel was like about ten minutes of film. So a two reelers okay. are about twenty minutes. Okay. All right. And. Uh, he, you know, tons, there's, these movies were tons of slapstick, All right. a lot of pies and faces, uh, the Keystone Cops was a huge... Oh, so that's this era. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. We're All talking right. like, Keystone Cops was around 1915. Right. And, uh, and Buster came along, like, right after that. Uh, so the silent era, lots of pies and faces, people falling down. Oh my so gosh, she like, fell in the you'd water. You'd have, like... Yeah, you'd have, like, the entire front face of the house would fall, and then the guy would... That, well, that actually... That famous uh, practical effect that they did... Uh, yeah, anyway. That was Buster. Oh, neat! Okay. So that famous okay. thing that maybe you've seen where the front of the house falls and the guy stands yeah. there? That's Buster. Yeah. 
That's, that's Buster, Buster Keaton. Keaton. Okay, neato, neato. And that, that is comes actually... back to that thing that you and I always talk about, which is it's like there's a lot of uh, uh, cinema and, and a lot of media out there that reproduces some of these shots. Oh but yeah, he was the first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before me, it became me. a recurring thing, it had oh, to be crazy. invented. Right. Okay. Um, and so anyway, so a lot of this stuff is like, oh, he fell down. Oh, he he right. he hit his bottom. Mm-hmm. He fell in the water was sort of what these comedies were. Right. And the big deal guys, like Char- uh, Charlie Chaplin, everyone knows mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was funny, but he had this, like, pathos. He always wanted you to okay. cry. There was always... It's right. sort of like movies now, where there's there's always the, the end of the second act where everything is sad and you have to cry for ten minutes. Right, right. Why do we, we got to do that? I thought this was funny. Right. Um, and then the another big one back then was Harold Lloyd. If you've ever seen the clip of the guy hanging off the clock over the street. Yeah, I know that image. The guy yeah, with the glasses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's Harold Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he had some really funny movies, too. And, you know, I'm not throwing any shade at Harold Lloyd or Charlie Chaplin. They were very, very funny guys. Right, right. But Buster was the king. Um, because on top of haha he fell down it would need to be the series of events that led up to it and the exact way that it happened and oh my god I can't believe that he didn't get killed just now (laughs) everything it was spectacle Okay. there was a certain magic to, Uh to what he did Right, There's a certain, right. how did he do that? Right. Um, as opposed to just, okay. oh, wow, Charlie Chaplin is making doe eyes at that lady. And he's, you know, oh, my heart is stirring because of this guy. Or, right. wow, he's roller skating blindfolded and the camera trick makes it look like he keeps about to fall down. So it was um, almost like a chess game of, like, setting up uh, scene after scene after scene in order to line up a uh, an impressive shot. Well, I don't know if... I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it that far out as like, well, this will pay off in twenty minutes. Okay. But it it might pay off in twenty seconds, right? Or okay. a minute right. or two. But, but it's still like it's still there, and it had to be expertly done. Right. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, he's just he's this enormously huge guy. Mm. Um, Roger Ebert called him the greatest actor director in the history of movies. Holy crap. Slight size, so, yeah. From from Mr. Ebert himself. Wow, yeah, one right. of the best critics. Right. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Salvador right. Dali called his films yeah. anti-artistic and pure poetry. Okay. Oh, wow. Ors- Orson Welles called him a supreme artist, and Mel hmm. Brooks said he was a huge influence and inspiration on him. Wow. So yeah, so Buster Keaton, he, if if you're still having trouble remembering him, he was. This kind of, he was a little bit short. Uh, he was very stoic, very deadpan. Mm-hmm. He, you never got any, like his early films, right? When he was like a member of Roscoe Arbuckle's team, right? He would do more wild stuff. But mm-hmm. once he started on his own, his face like hardly ever moved. He hardly ever okay. noted. Right. He had a little pork pie hat. Uh, he was wiry. He was 
he wasn't skinny. He was like wiry, like an athlete. He really was like an, an amazing athlete. Like All right, sort I gotta... of a... Oh, okay. I, I, you I did the up? wiki. Yeah, I did the wiki. Yeah, okay, okay. And he had the... Yeah, he had this almost like kind of bug-eyed Michael Keaton face going on. Where he was simultaneously <laughs> handsome. And at the same time, he could pull off being a, a goober. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've yeah. seen... I've se- Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all his all right. movies, he was always the underdog. Okay. And I liked something that he said. He said... Uh, or I, uh, I don't know if it was him or a documentary about him, but it said, uh, you know, like, Chaplin always want I, oh yeah i think it was him that said it was that chaplin was always like come here feel sorry for me feel sorry for me mm-hmm. but buster was like if you feel bad for me if you feel sympathy for me okay that's your business but i'm not gonna ask right. you for it right he was just this like it was like feeling bad for elmer fudd right here's right. this idiot who keeps everything happens to him and if you feel bad for him that's your business but oh, it's mostly shoot. like this crazy living cartoon is yeah, what you're there so for. Keaton did the general. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, where yeah, I yeah. recognize him from. Oh, yeah. yeah. So one of the best the, movies. The special effects in the general are amazing. And the fact that they're yeah. all they're practical all effects. Yeah. 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 This, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to talk about the general a lot. All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I won't. I won't. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> oh, and he did the diver as well. Oh, yeah. In um, in the navigator, Indeed. he was in the diving yeah. bell. Um, yeah. So, um, and he actually said so. His little once by this point, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you've Googled him. You've mm-hmm. and you've like, oh, that guy. Okay, and he has yeah. a little hat. That was sort of his trademark, and right. actually because they kept getting destroyed in all these films he he had to like make the hat because <laughs> he made them himself he would take he'd say he'd take a a felt fedora or a stetson yeah. and stiffen the brim right. uh and then and shrink it and push it down so that it had this like little pork pie hat right sort of a circle barely sitting on his head it always like how yeah. is it staying on but yeah they, flat top head yeah he said he would go through about six of them getting just destroyed and ruined in a in a 20 right. minute movie and then if he went out in public fans would grab it off his head so he had to he had to make <laughs> over a thousand of them over the years oh my god <laughs> himself he made them right but uh, yeah, he was just this huge, huge, huge star. And then, this is what they call a tease. <laughs> Everything went lousy, and then oh, no. he comes back, happy ending. Right. Well, that's okay. So there's your e, true Hollywood story. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, arc to the story. <laughs> so in beloved the... silent film gag <laughs> until. Everything went wrong. Yeah, the Danny Bonaducci phase. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so this is the part where the Ken Burns, you know. Yeah, right. And the old, you know, crappy tin type photos fade in. So he's born in 1895 in Kansas, uh, Joseph Keaton. 
And uh, his parents, Joe and Myra Keaton, are vaudeville performers. Oh, neat out. Okay. Right. His his dad, well, his his mom's folks had a medicine show. So, like, before vaudeville, it was medicine shows. Okay. Right. And, uh, and their medicine show, uh, she was involved in that. And that's how she met his dad, Joe Keaton. Okay. And uh, he, she was a musician, uh, and she was billed as the only lady saxophone player in the world. <laughs> that was, okay. Uh, well, yeah, she played the because saxophone. Because any other woman that picked up a saxophone and played it, immediately the men ran over and they were like, no, 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 no this no, is a no, man's no. instrument. Heaven's <laughs> sake. How dare you. Uh, it, oh, what are you going to do next? Wear pants? Bah! It's obviously a man in disguise. Right, of course. Um, and uh, so, and his dad was a sort of uh, slapstick, tumbling comedian. And, uh, and so they did their show, and Buster comes along. And the, the various stories embellish this. Mm-hmm. Because uh, his dad... Joe Keaton owned a medicine show with Harry Houdini of okay. big giant deal fame. But this is before he was wow. a big giant deal. This is when he was doing a medicine show in the 1890s. Okay. So wait, it's the dad or it's Buster? The dad. The, Joe the Keaton. The dad. Yeah. Okay. So Joe Keaton had and a Harry show. Harry Houdini had a, oh had a medicine God. show together. That's awesome. And, uh, That's so cool. and when Buster was a little kid, Houdini taught right. him how to get out of straight jackets. Oh, neat. <laughs> right, yeah. setting him down the path of, okay, if I can do this, oh, yeah. then I can do any sort of practical effect on my uh, and he's, movies. Okay. I mean, he's this little kid who's hanging around vaudeville shows and Odeons and everything. Right. So he's right. hanging out with dancers and singers and comedians and jugglers. And this is, you know, right. vaudeville days. So there was, you know plate spinners and animal acts and any any sort of dumb act you can think of yeah you know fred allen was a huge comedy star and he started out as a juggler (laughs) and that was always the like i don't even know fred allen but i'm gonna anyway he's he was a big radio guy in the 30s and 40s he's okay fred allen was funny his scripts were always lousy okay and stupid corny jokes and crappy characters but mm-hmm. what made Fred Allen really good sounds like was, I'd love him. Was <laughs> what made Fred Allen was really good was his ad libs. Okay. Because he would sit right. there. Well, now I think that we need to go see who's here in Allen's Alley. He had this real na- nasal voice. Um, okay. All right. All right. But his ad. That was that whole era, though. That was that like that that that. Even in that era, they were era. like. The other yeah. radio comedians did imitations of him. It was like, you know, okay. Jack Benny saying, here, hand me a clothespin. Right. Now I'm right. doing Fred Allen. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> oh, interesting. yeah, he, he was So that's interesting. So Allen kind of almost set the tone for what is kind of the most memorable version of the voice from that decade, from that 1920s, 1930s era of radio. Interesting. Um, kind of, but, well, yeah. the, what, what you're thinking of more probably is the the sort of uh, the sort of very energized newsman. Okay, we're gonna go to da da da. But this yeah. was Fred. He he. Uh, I mean, it was like a very nasal, very annoying <laughs> uh, voice. 
But uh, but anyway, so uh, Fred Allen's ad libs yeah. were great. Um, I don't know how I forget how we got over to that. But anyway, you were talking oh, about oh, how he you was were a juggler. About his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Fred yeah, Allen yeah. was a juggler. Buster Keaton was growing up in vaudeville shows, vaudeville theaters, theater folks. Right. Um, and so, so he's this baby. Okay. And as I, uh, I was starting to say, the story gets um, exaggerated and it, he, he sort of turned his own story into a little bit of a legend, as people are wont to do, especially in the old days, the He's old the golden days. And they put him in a straight jacket, <laughs> and he takes, a, takes a break from drinking his bottle, pulls the straight jacket off. Ta-da! Um, yeah, Houdini's like, that kid! I want to hire that kid, even though he's a baby. Put him in the act. Anyway, sorry. No, you're not. Actually, not you're not far happened. off. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, Yay! The most exaggerated. I version, am bullshit, and I'm mostly right. <laughs> <laughs> the most ad, the most exaggerated version is that when he was six months old, mm-hmm. he fell down the stairs, and. Uh, fell down a whole flight of stairs and didn't cry or nothing. He just shook it off. Right. And Harry Houdini was there and he said, right. Well, that kid's quite a buster. Yeah. uh, And, and, uh, he he was saying back then a buster meant like a fall, a tumble was a buster. And so he's like, that kid, wow, that kid took a buster. Yeah. Um, he was probably more like a year and a half old and, it was not Houdini, <laughs> but he was, you know, a family right. friend and him, yeah. and, his, yeah. him and the yeah. dad owned a show together anyway. So it's, yeah. and it's one of those where, yeah, it's like, yeah, why you know, not? storytelling. It's yeah. Right, right, right. Got and it. you start to believe your own BS. Yeah. Um, so Lord they notice this. <laughs> so the parents notice this like, wow, he can really take a fall. Right. And, uh, so fast forward a couple years later, he's about four. Again, right. sometimes he's three, sometimes he's six. Sounds like he was about right. four. Okay. And they put him in the act. <laughs> when they graduate nice. from medicine shows to vaudeville, now it's the okay. three Keatons. Right. And, uh, my... can, I, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah, yeah, When you say the medicine shows, is that... Now, my, my guess is that you're talking about it's like two, maybe one, two, or three traveling performers doing a show that's funded by so-and-so's miracle tonic or something like that is that what it is or yeah okay pretty much all right okay all right um, and it's it's stage right there's no tv at this point right no no this was 50 years before tv was invented okay okay, this is the okay. so it's all stage it's all stage shows it's it's like you know blah 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 here's our hilarious act brought to you by you know fred's miracle elixir not even brought like to you by it's yeah. hi i'm fred and if you buy my miracle elixir oh yeah oh so this is snake oil salesman oh yeah Holy oh yeah absolutely shit. this is sort of the end Holy of that crap. this Whoa. is the end of ah. that era of the guy standing ah. on the back of the cart that's amazing the back of the wagon pedaling oh my god that's so cool Peddling his patent medicines and his miracle That's elixirs. So cool. Oh my God! So, so the, Keaton the Elder. You said his name is Joe Keaton. Joe and Myra Keaton. Yeah. Joe and Myra Keaton were snake oil salesmen. That's awesome. 
Well, not like literally, but like, but, okay, all right. yeah. And so, yeah. and, and Harry Houdini's in the business with him too. And, uh, and so, so while the salesman is, yeah. is peddling his tonic, right. His right. nerve tonic or whatever. Yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. singers, dancers, jugglers, ventriloquists, strong men, escape artists, right. musicians, whatever. Um, right. Right. Doing just stuff to keep them entertained so that they'll stick yeah. around and buy the product, which is a lot right, like, right. you know, the, the old thing about a sitcom, a TV show's job is not to entertain and enlighten America. A TV show's job is to sell cars and dish soap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, and keep the people paying attention until the next commercial comes along. That's yeah. TV's yeah. job. And so it's the same right. thing with right. the medicine shows. Right. Right. Just more direct. They cut out the Let's middle all get life. in my Ford. Brought to you by Ford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, they just cut out the middleman. So, so, uh, and this is, and it's not just them that, that graduates to vaudeville. It's sort of the whole right. business. Okay. This right. is around 1900. Um, right. They uh, vaudeville is sort of taking over from the traveling medicine show. They're going to legitimate theaters. Okay. Um, and so the act at this point was. Oh, this is when they added the A to the word theater. Yeah, the theater. theater. Yeah, right, That's, right, right. It's the theater, you say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's we go they... live now to the theater where we've recently <laughs> added an A to make it more interesting when we report on it. That's right, because it was sorry. just thudder. I don't like mm-hmm. that. Thudder. That's yeah, no good. Yeah. And too many people mistake, you know, mistook it as uh, the dirt. And they were <laughs> like, well, there's, there's nothing going on in the street. Why'd you call me out here? Anyway, sorry. I, <laughs> I should go to the I'm, I'm going to stop now. The other <laughs> um, And so the, so when Buster joined the act, it became basically uh, the, the dad, Joe is doing his show and Buster starts mouthing off or being naughty or being rude. And Joe right. beats the hell out of him. And oh, that's shoot. the act. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and throws right. him around the stage and throws him across the set. And the big thing is, is he would throw Buster, four-year-old Buster, into the orchestra right. pit. And he would land <laughs> in, the, in the bass drum or something. Right. Crash, kaboom. explosion, yeah. kaboom. Yeah. Which you then see... Uh, repeated for decades afterwards in Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies and Tom and Jerry and et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, kind of. Right. But this is, I mean, this is an actual little kid being thrown around. Right. Right. (laughs) And he even took... Probably did nothing to his mental or physical health, though. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Wonderful. And he sewed a handle onto the back of his clothes to make it easier to throw them around the stage. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Dad, you choked me in the last one, so I go. I, I went ahead and added a handle. Yeah, yeah, a little bit yeah. easier to throw me. Hope, hope you use it this time. But yeah. and and <laughs> and people would call child protective people sometimes. They would call the police That's on fantastic. them. Fantastic. And, and uh, at least once, Buster had to go down to the police station and take off right. his shirt and see, right. see, I'm not bruised. I'm not. Yeah. No bones are broken. Right. I'm OK. Because right. he act. knew part of the act. he learned from infancy how to take a fall. Right. And 
you just you know go limp and you'll be okay i gotta ask um with the the fact that you got joe keaton and buster doing the physical stunts like that with the 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 dad raging at the kid yeah now i know that's a pretty recurring trope in tv and to a lesser extent cinema but it seems to be a a thing that tv is really loved um and they don't I mean, you know, less so the honeymooners, but you know, you can kind of yeah, they trace little kids, elements but... of it. But where I was trying like to go Homer, with it is like Homer strangling that's Bart. Exactly it. Yeah, Homer yeah, and think Bart is Homer I... strangling Bart, but instead of strangling him, he throws him. He throws right, him ten right. feet away. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's exactly what I was curious about. Is I was wondering if there's a, if you know, the Simpsons creators, if there's any sort of thread there back to Buster and Joe. But I Maybe. guess this is before the age of recorded i mean the stage shows probably weren't recorded so it's you couldn't if there is they didn't have technology yeah it would be prohibitively it'd be like it'd be like uh recording this podcast in imax yeah it's like it exists but yeah but why the hell would you prohibitively expensive right 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 uh i don't know man i mean i i I could see getting you and i up on a 270 degree wide stage Mm -hmm. you know that that's very important yeah 180 uh, degrees ceiling yeah yeah, yeah exactly absolutely Hemisphere. worth every dollar yeah. <laughs> anyway um but yeah so he knew how to take a fall he didn't get hurt um so that was on the job training um and the other thing that it learned him was his deadpan face because he found out they found out sort of through trial and error um right. He would have fun. He thought this was a yeah. fun game. He's a little kid being thrown right. around. I remember when my daughter was little, she would yeah. beg me to throw her on the bed and throw her on the yeah. couch. And it's that sort right. of thing, except instead of cushions, it's a wooden floor. But, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but he loved it. And he thought this Breaks was... Breaks the a, fall a little bit uh, yeah, less easily than the pillows. But, you know, <laughs> the fun's there. You know, there's that moment of time where, you, where, where gravity does not have an effect on you where it's fun. It's right. the... Coming back to Earth part, that's, yeah. <laughs> Probably a little bit less enjoyable for Mr. Buster. All right, all right. Uh, but yes, and he, uh, so he's having fun, and he, they, he learned early on that when he laughed at the fun he's having, the audience didn't laugh. Because yeah. they're like, oh, he's just goofy. Right. This is right. dumb. And but he's if four, he, so he's starting to be, develop a very keen idea of stage presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But right. if he stayed deadpan, right. huge riotous laughter. Neat. Uh, That's fantastic. He also learned this because uh, here's a Buster quote: um, "If I should chance to smile, the next hit would be a good deal harder." Oh. <laughs> so yeah, his dad would. Yeah. Help in the. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah oh dear but uh but yeah so they uh <laughs> you didn't bring in as many laughs as last time because i saw you crack a smile so i'm gonna give you something to smile about yeah exactly <laughs> exactly okay, okay. yeah yikes but uh but yeah generally and and buster said this till the day he died generally is great times he left it uh and yeah he just had a good old time um, awesome. so they, that act goes on for about 10 years till he's about 15, something like that. Um, then he starts going out on his own 
in Acts, and he's just getting started. World War I hits. He goes and serves in France for about a year or something. He comes back, and he hooks up with another hugely, wildly wonderful silent comedian, Roscoe Arbuckle. Better known as Fatty Arbuckle, but he hated that name. Hated the name Uh, Fatty, so... Right. And, And so... Recently, people have dropped calling him Fatty, and they generally call right. him Roscoe Arbuckle. Okay. So Arbuckle uh, gets he was a he was one of the Keystone Cops, and uh, the big deal producer studio guy Shank uh, Max Shank I think is his name gave Arbuckle his own studio. I said you're great, go make right. some pictures. Um. Like it's I'm a, gonna I'm gonna come off as a jerk when I say this, but um, this is this is Fatty Arbuckle as in overweight, kind of built like a tank Fatty Arbuckle. So it's like the the name at the time. It's it's an accurate like, name. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> it, you know. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, it's right, accurate. Right. He just yep. wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. Right. Well, you know. Yeah. As a fact, I am totally with him on it, but at the same time, it's like you know, as a you know. Now that I'm looking at the images of it, it's like, okay, got it, got it, got it. Got I mean, it. you could, you could, you know, if they named me Beardy McCrooked Teeth, I'd be like, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I don't, don't appreciate call me Beardy it, but McCrooked yeah, right. Teeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that's so, why I'm crediting you on all of our sound from here on. Uh, <laughs> crooked yeah. Teeth Studios. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beardy McCrooked Teeth and uh, uh, Babyface Beard Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Arbuckle. Of a crooked teeth beard man production. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> so Arbuckle is this wonderful, wonderful comedian. He's sort of the 1910s version of Chris Farley. Where. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah, he's a big guy, but that's not his shtick. It's not like, oh, fat right. guy, get it? He's yeah. really. He's really agile, and the stuff that it he was can not do the case his... of him being overweight. It was a case of what he could do with it. Yeah, the way he yeah, threw himself yeah. around was amazing. Right, right, um, right. It's like if you put a two-two on a football player, like, wait, what? He could do that. Right, um, right. He, w- I mean, he was, he had the moves of an expert dancer. Right, right, but, and it's the charm that comes with doing that kind of juxtaposition yes. of overweight dude doing very nimble things yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and okay. he had he was very expressive face uh yeah very good silent acting he had so he had the charisma that that came yeah. with that god and a lot of his stuff up just about all of buster keaton's films and an awful lot of roscoe arbuckles are on youtube uh-huh. just google them because a lot of them are like yeah. out of copyright yeah, I saw that the Navigator and the General were on there. I'm totally going to watch yeah. those again once we're done with those. Um, but yeah, like, do yourself a favor. Go, like, take a day and watch Roscoe Arbuckle movies because he's great. Yeah. And that's where Buster yeah. Keaton started. Um, the first one was one called The Rough House. That's his, like, film debut. And uh, he came in for this one joke where they he he, he, he comes into the to Arbuckle's store to buy some molasses 
And oh no, the molasses went in his hat. Now it's on his head. And oh, his shoes stuck on the floor in the molasses. Oh man, this happened. Oh my gosh, all those things are happening. And I could swear that you and I have probably seen that as part of all of the kind of 90s era stock footage reused video reels that we've talked about. Because I know exactly which image you're talking about, where the hat goes on the head and and it drips down the side. Oh, no, no, this is a different one. Yeah, he... uh, he, And Arbuckle lifts his hat goodbye and Buster tries and it's stuck. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, okay. And uh, and then it it caps off with uh, uh, somehow he's... He's heading out towards the door, and he turns around, and Arbuckle has thrown a bag of flour, and he turns around right as it poofs in his face. There's five oh, pounds nice. of flour right in the kisser. <laughs> and he tells him, because this is his first time in a movie, he says, well, how how am I going to keep from flinching? Yeah, right. And he says, well, tell you what, don't look. Look away. When I yeah. yell turn, it'll be yeah. there. <laughs> he said, <laughs> and it was there, and then my head went to where my feet were. I mean, you catch you catch five pounds in the face, man. That's yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was they did a whole string of movies together, and they're all great. None of them are a stinker. Um, Out West is probably my favorite of theirs. Okay. Um, it takes place. Get this, Out West. Um. And it's it's sort you of wouldn't a sen- assume so with a title like that. <laughs> it actually takes place in the Atlantic. Yeah, I was gonna say it's in a submarine. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a cowboy picture, and it, you know, it, I think the whole thing might be in the saloon. And you know, there's a big gunfight and a big. I I like the my favorite part is he uh, there's the 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 town tough guy, the town baddie, he's mouthing off this big long string of how he's going to shoot everybody and lick everybody and beat up everybody. And Buster gets behind the bar and hits him on the head with a beer bottle and nothing happens. And he keeps talking. So he picks up another, you know, a whiskey bottle and hits him on the head and he keeps talking and talking. He tries it. He hits him on the head again and again and again. And (laughs) he hits him. It, it feels like about a hundred bottles in a row hidden. <laughs> it's one of these things. Nice. It shouldn't work. It should be really mm-hmm. dumb, but he's so. Right. The thing about Buster's acting is silent pictures are, are kinetic. They're very go, 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 go. Everything's right, fast right, paced right. and crazy. Everything. It, it yeah. feels sped up even when it's not. Yeah. And Buster's very slow. Uh, it, not quite Stan Laurel slow, but he'll sit there and and think about it and ponder. Well, how, wait, how should I? I want to say this, but I'm not sure if I should. Well, I'll try. And the way that he keeps, maybe this bottle will knock him out. No, that didn't work. And then he speeds up faster and faster, and it's just hilarious execution of an. He takes a C grade joke. And adds a execution, right. and wasn't sells one of the hell the, out like, of it. Wasn't one of the implicit rules of filmmaking? Maybe it was explicit, but I, I thought one of the rules of filming filmmaking back then, and and maybe this is just me pulling a random factoid out of the deep recesses of my memory, but I thought they were like instructed that they were like you you've got to fill each you know frame of what you're filming 
with as much movement and and energy as possible otherwise uh we're not going to fund you you know well, um everything um, has to be moving you have to have as much moving bits to this this is motion picture so make sure everything's moving damn it well that's I, I definitely, swear that was like one of the rules to yeah it was more of a trend than a rule okay okay um right. i wouldn't say there was like a quota but um, definitely the the trend was, and this was, you know, this was the early days of cinema. And so it was yeah. very new, very exciting. Right. So you had right. a lot of action, a lot of stuff, a, a lot of movement. But you also had, um, you know, if you look at, um, you know, Birth of a Nation, which is, you know, notorious for, I don't know, saying the Klan was awesome. Um it, it, yeah. Maybe don't do that. Um, yeah. And the follow-up intolerance, which he tried to walk it back. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe, maybe, but, maybe um, we don't do this. But you know, for all the frenetic, uh, kinetic scenes, there is also slow, Wagnerian tragic, still scenes where they just stare okay. into the camera dramatically, melodramatically. Right, right, right. So. Right. But yeah, it was very because you didn't have voice and sounds. You had an organist or a piano player in the theater, um, and you only had pictures and the occasional sentence of text. Um, yeah, everything. I forgot about that. That was the other wild thing was that there was no because you are literally a silent film. It's yeah. the film and the sheet music. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, and half the time he didn't such even a wild other era. <laughs> it was like some guy or some lady just improvising. Right. Oh, it's oh now the bad guy's coming. I'll go to a minor key. Right. It, this sort of making it up. Um, That's so cool. But uh, but yeah, and so there's a lot of the same way that opera is over the top because this person way over there has to has to convey the emotion to the back of the theater. Right, right. Um, those silent pictures, there's, it's very melodramatic, the acting. Yeah. It's very hammy because you have to convey, you, you don't hear, oh my God, this is horrible. Right, right. You just see a person going, and they have to yeah, sell that's, it. That's the other neat thing about, like, in going back and looking at the images of uh, both Buster Keaton and Arbuckle, the one thing that I I had forgotten about that I basically kind of remembered in a flash as I was looking at the, the Google images is that um, those um, those actors would really pronouncedly do their stage makeup around their eyes and around yeah. their lips and stuff like that because – and I, 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 I started to recall, it's like, oh, that's right, because A – you're dealing with the fact that the film quality is not that good at the time. Right. And then B, you're talking about the fact that, you know, this may not be getting projected up on, um, you know, a giant unilaterally flat piece of screen. This right. might be on somebody's bed sheet out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. Know, podunk, you know, stagecoach town. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, for that's, sure. That's such a wild different era of film <laughs> and it's That's so cool the makeup was very um very gothic you know if you think of 90s right. goth kids it was you right. know very very for the white actors anyway which was most of it there were black yeah. movies but they were only for black audiences basically um yeah. but for the mainstream white audiences 
the idea was essentially to make them look almost cartoonish so that they stood out regardless of where the film was being uh, uh, yeah. I guess projected. Yeah, yeah it, it had it was everything had to be exaggerated so that it was right, easily right. readable. Yeah, it's the exactly. same reason why um, if you look at uh, transition cells in uh, 1940s Looney Tunes, there's a lot of really distorted, crazy, yeah. unnatural shapes because right. you have to right. be able to see that motion. Right. In the three frames that it takes to right. do this you have whirlwind to have a transitional shot where Sylvester's face is on the left side of the screen, <laughs> all and the way on the to the right of the screen, and <laughs> yeah. on the right side of the screen, and there's yeah. a nose in the middle yeah. that's an oval, right? And yeah, right, right. Um, so yeah, it was just that it had to be exaggerated for the eye to to capture it, right, right. And the same thing, like you were saying about the film, because of this film, uh, the way that stuff photographed a lot of the the makeup that looks white in real life was like kind of green. Yeah. See so how these people walking mm-hmm. around with like green makeup on so that they would oh, photograph white. Uh, interesting. Cause of just uh, the way that the film that. worked. Yeah. It was way. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's wild. Yeah. But yeah, so, so Buster and Arbuckle, they had a whole bunch of good stuff. Um, another good one is, uh, uh, backstage had a, had a, had a good gag. Um, it's the two of them are they're working in a theater and they're getting ready for the next show and they they put up a poster uh there's a a sliding barn door on the back of the theater and one of them puts up a poster and the the poster says you must not miss i got it written down you must not miss gertrude mcskinney famous star who will play the little laundress first time here tomorrow at 2 p.m so it's this big okay. long notice right and he goes inside and the and he slides the door open and the door covers up most of it so it's kind of like a mad fold-in in the back okay. of mad magazine so the door covers right. up two-thirds of it so that says miss skinny will undress at 2 p.m <laughs> and there's this, <laughs> okay. this guy in the street Ooh, and he runs in to buy a ticket you know just <laughs> little stuff like that there's one uh right in the garage he uh He's being chased by a cop because he uh, something, a series of crazy things happen and he, he loses his clothes. They get thrown away okay. and cut off All or right. something. And he runs by and there's a he runs by a billboard with a, a Scotsman on it. And he All he right. cuts the kilt off the billboard and puts it on and stands there so he doesn't get arrested. And then he turns <laughs> around and walks away and you see his boxers. Oh, and he goes right. and gets them. Right. It's just stupid. Right. Goofy stuff like that, just yeah. mm-hmm. because of course that will work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's super charming. fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, oh, and 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 the uh, I was that wrong. Comes the back first to that, one, like, oh, I was just gonna say that comes back to that um, that concept of like um, the I think the the both the actors and the folks coming up with the practical effects had you know, an understanding of what we were going to place on the screen is objectively going to work differently from a storytelling perspective and from a comedy perspective than, uh, what works in real life. And, but this is again, coming back to that whole, you know, thought of firsts, you know, this is the early days of, you know, Oh, we can pull this off. So if we pull this off, it's going to be a novel joke. 
It's going to be a fantastic joke, too, and the audience is going to love it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah. And I did misspeak earlier. Uh, the first movie he was in was not The Rough House. It was The Butcher Boy. Okay. Uh, for all you uh, pedants out there who yeah. don't, don't add us. As I put in every episode, don't add us. <laughs> yeah, please don't add us. Um, we, we, we know about uh, 75% of this, and the, the 25% were like, I mean, you know. Usually it's like the day before they, it posts. I realize, oh crap, yeah. <laughs> we said this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the one, the reason I mentioned the Rough House is because that's probably the best one of the two of them, of okay. Buster Keaton and Roscoe Arbuckle, because uh, it's they uh, they're Buster's the waiter and Roscoe is the the cook in a restaurant, and okay. it's it's really funny. Uh, there's a lot of like, hey, I need one of these. Okay. And and Roscoe casually throws it out the door and Buster catches <laughs> it and sticks it on. The, you know, it'd be like a cup of coffee. Right. He throws a cup of right. coffee and he catches it and right. sticks right. it on the table. Crazy stuff. But what's so good about it is there's this giant pot on the stove, probably a 10-gallon pot. Uh-huh. And everything comes out of this soup pot. It's like, Fantastic. I need a bowl of soup. Okay, so he ladles it Fantastic. in. Here you go. Right. I need a cup of right. coffee. There's a spigot at the bottom. Right. He pours it in. Here you mm-hmm. go. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, later fantastic. on, he needs, he's got, uh, he's been chopping stuff and he's he takes mm-hmm. the scraps and puts them in the soup pot for, you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone asks for a bowl of soup. He get, he takes a sponge, sticks it in the soup pot, squeezes it into her bowl. And, <laughs> and she's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> nice. Um, and again, I'm gonna keep knocking Chaplin. I love him, but I'll knock him all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's you know we 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 rib those we love. You know the famous thing. Well, I mean, he's got this multi-million dollar empire, and you know, yeah, and, you know, and his granddaughter did Game of Thrones, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yep, they can so, take. Wait a minute, really? It. Yeah, Una Chaplin is named after her grandmother, Una Chaplin, who was married to Charlie Chaplin. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wait, yeah. who was Una Chaplin in Game of Thrones? Uh, I don't. Okay, I, don't I've never it. seen don't it. it. Uh, I, she might have been All the right. dragon lady with the white hair. No, hold on I just think. a second here. I don't know. Una Chaplin. She's one of them Game of Thrones ladies. She's one of the main characters. Oh my goodness, who who did she play? Granddaughter or great granddaughter? I want to say granddaughter. She was. I'd recognize her face. She was Megir, Talissa Megir. Okay, I think she was one of the Dornish characters in Game of Thrones. Okay, I know who this is now. All right, all right, all right. Got it, got it. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Just yeah, trying to Talisa, figure that out. Talisa, Talisa on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I um, there was there oh, was this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the. Yeah. Oh one my of the, god. She's, she's the, one of the three Dornish assassins. She's the granddaughter of Charlie Chaplin and the great granddaughter. So Una Chaplin's or maybe is on another anyway, great granddaughter of Eugene O'Neill. The death great of a salesman guy. Oh wow. Uh yeah. So that's pretty okay. neat. All right. That is pretty neat. Oh that is awesome. No, he that was Arthur Miller. I'm stupid, but he was a big, famous playwright. What did he do? Uh, oh, Long Day's Journey. Yeah, of the Night. 
Yeah, I, I, I like my brain was slowly catching up, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" That, oh, that's, uh, wilderness. Arthur that Miller's death of the salesman. Okay. Anyway, that's Wikipedia. Getting back to yeah, getting back to stuff that uh, I read less from Wikipedia <laughs> and more just like, <laughs> obsessively watching all his movies over the last month. Um, mm-hmm. So, right, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, before, so the, the, one of the famous Chaplin bits is he has the forks and the dinner rolls and he's making them dance. Mm-hmm. That was right. like 1925, 1926. Okay. About 1916, eight years earlier. Right. Fatty Arbuckle does it in the Rough House. Ah! Exact same <laughs> bit. Take oh, that, Chaplin's. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what? The, the whole Chaplin Empire right now is is reeling. It's crumbling. From the fact that you just took him down a peg or two. Yeah. Hey, The Modern Age is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Or no, yeah. Modern Times. I've... Oh my God, Modern Times. Yeah. Not the that's the whole that's the Strokes album. The Modern Age. Modern yeah, Times. Yeah. Oh my God. Modern that's... Times is the future one, right? Uh, it's where he's working in the factory. Yeah. And he, he yeah. kind of becomes an automaton, an automaton, and everything. Yeah, Actually, yeah it's, think, it's a beautiful um, movie. But uh, cross-pollinating with uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about, Modern Times has got a um, a ridiculous steel monoplane in it, mm. which ends up looking an awful lot like the uh, V bombers that get designed around the 1950s. And yeah. it's not purely by happenstance. It's uh, th- there's there's some overlap as to why the practical effects guy was like, yeah, put this giant steel v-wing airplane in your plane charlie chaplin i have a reason behind it anyway anyway sorry uh modern times also known as black mirror of the pre-digital age yeah right (laughs) yeah modern times and metropolis are the black mirror of the of the 20s and 30s yeah fritz lang and charlie chaplin um fritz lang was metropolis i think Fritz Lang was Metropolis. Metropolis yep. Yep. Popular M. for sexualizing C-3PO. Yeah. Yep. M with Peter Lorre. <laughs> yes. M's Hell yeah, movie. that's right. I love Peter Lorre. Anyway, um, so Roscoe Arbuckle is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an unfortunate reason why he is not as well known these days. Uh, he was falsely, falsely accused of rape and manslaughter in 1921 that came up in the in the wiki and i was yeah. I, I wasn't gonna say it i figured you would hit it yeah oh, wow. so they there was a wow. party and someone oh uh, a woman was saying her stomach hurt and arbuckle uh-huh. was like are you okay and he was rubbing uh-huh. her stomach trying to help her feel better and it was it, it was it ended up being like a burst kidney or a liver infection or something like that some kind of organ problem and she ended up dying a few days later uh yeah it was you know this horrible thing but um and she was she was really drunk and she was sort of known i mean i'm not trying to like you know disparage the the victim of a horrible disease but she was kind of known to be a drunk um, right. And so it must, I think it was liver damage, um, but I might be wrong, but, um, Virginia Rappy. Yeah. Yeah. Rape, yeah. Or rep. Rappy. Rappy. 
Rappy. Um, and so, uh, she uh, she told a friend that that Arbuckle, you know, took advantage of her or raped her or attacked her or something. Um, they did. Uh, they they went to the police and the police doctors did a check and there was no evidence of any rape. Right. Um, right. However, the story hit the papers and it was a huge story for right. months. Um, Hearst, uh, the big newspaper publisher um, who owned a gazillion uh, he sold a gazillion papers every day. He said that the the Roscoe Arbuckle story sold more papers than the sinking of the Lusitania. It was that oh, big of a story. Wow. It was a huge tabloid story, yellow journalism Good story. Lord, wow! And okay. it was one of these things where, well, there's here's people who were there saying no, it didn't happen, and then mm-hmm. here's someone's friend who said it did. So we'll include the friend's quote in the article. And not yeah. include the other quotes. Hmm. It was that. Because so, Randolph right. Hearst was not, like, the coolest guy. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it, you know what? I, I will say this. And it's the this, yellow though. journalism it's, it's period. Real, yeah. And it's really nice that, you know, uh, those in the media industry learn from that mistake. And that, yes. you know, we've moved on to having very pure and true objective journalism. Yes. That make sure to accurately research facts before they go to publication. Yeah, because without that, we'd live in a very misinformed, distorted world Absolutely. where you know media distorted the truth of uh, the uh, information age around us, and and we had unrealistic understandings of uh, where we are today. That's so right. I'm just really glad that you know modern media learned from that mistake of yellow journalism, and that we don't have to live with it now. It, that's that's really pleasant. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, maybe your uh, maybe the news's main job should not be. To sell soap and cars, yeah, <laughs> and just yeah, eat up yeah. time until the next commercial. Yeah, read the AP. Anyway, this episode's kids. Dan and Aaron like Arama is brought to you yeah. by oh, Chevrolet. Right. Oh right, Chevrolet. Positive. You can drive a car, maybe a truck. Chevrolet. So anyway, back to you, Dan. Back to you. So uh, <laughs> so they do. Uh, three trials the first two were hung juries the third one is not only an acquittal an apology the jurors made a public apology be like hey it sucks that you had to that you went through this it's horrible what happened to her but no one did anything to her it it looks like and we're sorry that your name was dragged through the mud his career never really came back kind of makes sense he was banned by the Hayes office and the jury saying the public apology got a little article whereas it had been the main headline for months and weeks and um that story yeah that's like when that's like when modern media nowadays it's like you know they'll lie like their pants off and then two weeks later they'll be they'll, they'll be like a little title card at the end of an episode where it's like you know we apologize but it turns out that we were wrong about x freaking heck anyway we we regret that we gave six months of airtime uh talking about the conspiracy theory that actually was not true turns out was patently false yeah hopefully these two sentences make up for that 
Now, what's the weather look like this weekend? So, uh, so he was the Hayes office was the censor board. Um, okay. And the and the Hayes. See, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you about that because the the Hayes office, as far as I'm familiar with it, is the office that allows you to go hi. <laughs> so I, I wanted to make sure that you know. No, it's the, the ones that make distinction. They require everyone to have uh, facial hair like Rutherford B Hayes. That's ah, the Hayes yes. Office. Yes, yes, yes. Established after the Hayes presidency, the yeah. Hayes office, right? Yes. Thank you for the clarification. There. Absolutely. I do apologize. <laughs> oh, good. He did have facial hair. I, I was thinking of someone else, but okay. He had a big dumb beard. Anyway, um, well, so well, of course he did. He established the office. We just talked about that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he had an unremarkable yet big dumb beard. Yeah. By the way, this works way better over meat because then I can know whether my jokes actually land. Or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can. I have to. I have to not roll my eyes and and silently pass <laughs> to myself. Shut the fuck up, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, That's how everybody interacts with me, by the way. Anyway, go on. <laughs> boo! They just follow. So, uh, so uh, by this point, uh, Buster had gone solo a year prior to this, and so um, Buster testified in Arbuckle's defense at the trial because you know they were good buddies at this point, and he was like, "Well, yeah, obviously, no." He was this like big sweetheart guy, and everyone came out saying, "Yeah, he's this big sweetheart guy. He's a gentle guy. He's not going to do this." How could he possibly? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, again, like Chris Farley, big goofy, yeah. gentle sweetheart. Um, right. And so uh, Buster set up a deal with him. Uh, the same guy, Shank, gave Buster the same deal. He said, you're doing really great in these movies. Have your own studio. Go crazy. Have fun. Right. So in his own studio, Buster decided to give Arbuckle uh, 35% of the profits from his new studio. And he let him work under a fake name, uh, William Goodrich. Oh, interesting. It's a lot of things. Even thing. after Arbuckle had been dragged to mud. Yeah. Because okay, he, cool. he, I mean, he was like, obviously you're innocent. You're not like a right. bad dude. You've been proven right. innocent. And I know, yeah, I knew right, that right. already. So yeah, no, you're yeah. good. And that was a thing uh, that was common. Like in the, in the black list era of the fifties, uh, there was the movie about it with the Breaking Bad, Malcolm in the Middle guy, uh, Trumbo was the story of a, a Hollywood screenwriter who was blacklisted as a communist. And he just wrote movies under fake names and, one of them won an Oscar. <laughs> uh, um, whoops. But yeah, it's, so it's the same thing. Take that, McCarthy. Egg, right. Yeah, seriously. So he yeah. worked under the name William Goodrich. Uh, so if All you right. ever see William Goodrich as a director or a writer or something, That's that Roscoe is Arbuckle. Roscoe Arbuckle. That's pretty neat. Um, so anyway, uh, and and poor guy. So after that, the rest of Arbuckle's life was just unhappy and sad, which sucks. Um, and not only his name was dragged through the mud, but he became the uh, exemplar of Hollywood decadence and right. sinful right. Hollywood parties and how dare right. they and all this. Right. right, right. And right when he, everything blew over, he signed a deal with Warner Brothers. He was going to start his comeback. Died. Uh, died of a heart attack uh, I either the same uh, day or the day after he signed his contract uh, that's sad. tragic uh, 
Roscoe yeah. Arbuckle, look him up. Hell of a guy. But we're not yeah. talking about him. We're talking about Buster Keaton. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you talk about him for this long? My God. So I completely forgot to not. Oh, my God. We're like an hour in. So he goes solo. Yeah. In 1920, he starts doing his own movies. Um, He does. uh, uh, He has his own studio. He's the director. He's he's writing the gags. He's got a crew of a few guys that he loves working with. Um, To clarify, we are talking at this point. Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. The rest of it's all Buster Keaton. We're done with we're done with Arbuckle. We're done with his parents. Right. Right. Okay. So he has his own studio, his own stuff. Right. Um. He uh, he gets married. He has a couple mm-hmm. kids. Uh, yeah. he, he married uh, Natalie Talmadge uh, in yeah. 1921. Her sisters were both famous actresses. And the idea was, well, the, the studio was like, well, we got these two Talmadges on our contract. Mm-hmm. We got Buster mm-hmm. on our contract. If he marries her... Maybe we can make her a star and she'll be on our contract. And so there's a lot of thinking that it was kind of a studio marriage. That intermarrying Hollywood royalty type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and that it was like not mm-hmm. loveless and more public. Right, right. Um, but anyway, they they were happy enough and they had two kids. Um, but uh, things started to go down. We'll get to that. <laughs> but this is... And then he comes back, and, and, and he's got his happy. own studio. No, and well, well, so far he's about no to sign for it, and, and then, then he, he has a heart attack and dies. Yay! Right! Ah, see? That's how they all end! But they, uh... <laughs> no, the, uh, so this is the beginning <laughs> of the really happy part. Okay, okay. He's his own boss. Mm-hmm. And the way that his movies are made is they think up a beginning and an end... It's like, all right, well, we'll right. have the guy be in this situation. Right. And someone's trying to do this, and he ends up with this happens. Cool. And then yeah. they show up at the set, and they start thinking up gags. Uh, and there's right. nothing's right. written down. Oh, that's fantastic. He didn't have okay. a written script until the 30s. Wow. And he, they, So just this loosely fabricated narrative thread, yeah. and then they just, oh my God. And... Just I would him, have so loved to be part of that. Him that and the Genius so Squad, especially yeah. him. He was a huge gag writer. Brilliant right, right. gag writer. And just him and the Genius Squad will sit there. Well, if we built a thing that opened up this way, and then we could travel through it this way, and this would flip over, and mm. then we could do this. And it was like a... He approached it so like... lots an, of cinematic Rube Goldberg machines. Yeah. Oh, and that's he neat. approached comedy like an engineer. Nice. And he said, nice. he he said, if if he had gone to school, he never went to school. He was raised in theaters. Uh, okay. You know, he could read and write and stuff, but he never mm-hmm. went to school. Um, right. He said, if he if he had gone to school, he said, if he never went to show business, he probably would have been like a civil engineer, mechanical right. engineer. Right. Because that was just how his mind worked. And and if right, you look right. at these gags, you know, there's one uh, where it's two apartment buildings. And he's standing on a guy's shoulders to get over the fence between them. And, you know, he's Mm -hmm. going back and forth on the laundry line between the two buildings Mm -hmm. and all this. Just all these mechanical things that are, but also very silly. Uh, There's one, oh, there's a great, one of his early ones is great called One Week. 
It's uh, these newlyweds. And it was based on uh, <laughs> when he got married. Uh, his, her uncle set them up this way. Uh, here's a plot of land, and here's a, a build-it-yourself house. <laughs> oh, yeah! They had these Because things. that was a big thing back then. These I house forgot kids. You'd order them from Sears yeah. Roebuck and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back I, in, um, back into I, the mid-1800s, in the prairie days. Yeah. The frontier Yeah, days. I see those on... Um, it's one of the one of the groups I'm on. Uh, Mid century advertising yep. has those where it's like you mail off the pictures. catalog and they send yeah, you and a pallet like full of wood. One, two, three, four. Yeah, and 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 they'll have these very charming names for them. Yeah. And the price of the house, eight thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and so they get one of these, and yeah. here's your plot, and here's your right. boxes of wood, and so the yeah. villain comes and he he changes the one the box marked one to a four and the box marked three to an eight and he mixes it all up and so it's like all right let's get started cut to uh this crazy looking house it's all stupid crazy looking and part of it's leaning this way part of it's this way the roof's on sideways it's great right it's all upside down and backwards and there's there's a part where uh there's they're they're you know they're working on a wall they're like framed up wall right and he's on the bottom and she's on no she's on the bottom and he's on the top and then something happens and balance gets loose and the wall spins around so now she's hanging on to for dear life at the top 20 feet up and he's looking around where'd she go (laughs) you know goofy stuff like that because like i could swear i've seen these like I, I know that I've, if if I haven't seen the film in its entirety, I know I've seen these shots. Yeah. Like what you're just describing, yeah. I know I've seen that before. If you are on Twitter, there is a fabulous. If it's still around, uh, when I was still on Twitter, it was one of my favorite accounts called Buster Keaton GIFs, and that's oh, all it was. It was just GIFs of Buster Keaton gags. Oh, follow that I'm, if you if I'm if it's still around. No. Fabulously good. Time. <laughs> and yeah. one week has one of the best endings ever i hesitate to even spoil it but the the, they do all this work the they're driving the house they they, oh no we built it on the wrong lot so that he 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 backs the car up uh he hitches the house to the car he drives off and the the hitch comes off and the car is driving oh that didn't work so he nails the back seat of the car into the house. Now it'll stick. And he drives off and the seat stays stuck to the house and the car, the rest of the car drives. Oh, this of didn't course. work. Of course. So they're going, they're going, they get the house moving and the house gets stuck on the railroad tracks. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. Woo, woo. Oh, no, train's oh, coming. No. They're yeah, going, right, oh, right. we got to get the, oh, no, right. we got to get the house. Right. Moving, 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 moving. Oh, my God. Oh, it's coming. So they yeah. leap out of the way. The train yeah. comes, and it's on the next track over, and the house is fine. That's fantastic. Because yes. he, oh, ha- so he wanted, he always wanted to be two steps ahead of the right, audience. right. And right, they're like, oh, right, I know right. this is going to be crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tricks yeah. you. Zoom, the train goes yeah. by. And the audience, so oh, great. my God, great gag. Yeah. Wow, what a great right. movie. And then the train right. comes from the other way and destroys the house. <laughs> it's the house. <laughs> Perfect timing. Right, right. It oh, is so good. Put that in the comedy textbook for perfect yeah. Yeah. timing. The end of one week from like 1921 or so. 
absolutely right. great. That's fantastic. That's um, fantastic. The Scarecrow had a lot of great gags. Him and the other guy live in a house, a little cabin, and everything is on strings. So they're eating dinner and throwing... All, every, all, everything is suspended from the ceiling on strings. So they're throwing their salt shaker to each other, throwing the coffee to each other. I, this is another one where I know I've seen it. And it's like, yeah, yeah and it's... It pendulums. It's like yeah, the yeah, various yeah. things that they're getting, they pendulum from one thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're done eating, uh, they all the all the dishes are like strapped down to the table and the table right. flips up and on the underside of it is a painting or like a home sweet home or something and it gets stuck <laughs> up on the wall. It's just like that. It's like a house of the future yeah. kind of. It's just a little right, charming right. story yeah. like that. So that's a fun one. Right. Um uh, Three Ages was one of his first longer ones. Mm. Um, his first feature was the Sap Head, which is really funny, and it's kind of um, it's almost like Trading Places, a stock market right. outsider bumbles his way into making a fortune in the stock market. And all it's funny. He's just he's an idiot, and funny stuff happens. Uh, Three Ages was one of his next features, and that was kind of a takeoff on. Intolerance, the the follow up to Birth of a Nation. Intolerance was yeah. love stories set in four different eras, ancient times okay. and medieval oh, times and caveman. I don't know what times. So this right, was right, right, right. three the three ages. It's Buster Keaton chasing after the woman in caveman times, Roman times, and modern times. Right. And it's generally really good. There's goofy stuff like. Uh, a caveman and his caddy are, are going through and the caddy hands him a club and he plays mm-hmm. golf with the caveman club, but um bum. Oh, I could swear I've seen that. Just yeah, goofy yeah, stuff right. like that. Right. Um right. uh there's a there's a Roman chariot with a spare tire on the back. Just, you know, funny <laughs> stuff like that. And then he switches right. uh the road gets rough, so he switches from horses to uh, a to a dog sled and he has <laughs> runners on it and the dogs and instead of right. a spare tire there's a spare dog in the box in the back of just course. funny stuff it's funny <laughs> and charming and silly yeah right. Um, right right but the best part of three ages he's driving down the road in his jalopy and there's like a it's like an inverted speed bump there's like a a, a, a pothole that goes across right, the right. whole road it spans the whole road right. And uh, for the cut, he drives up towards, he's driving towards you. Uh, right. And he drives about 10 feet and he hits this thing and the entire car collapses. That's fantastic. With him driving it. <laughs> it moves and then it, it's like the end of Blues Brothers. It just completely right. collapses. Where the whole thing just falls to pieces. Every That's last awesome. little screw and nail falls <laughs> apart. It's amazing. That's the and best gag go, ever. Wait. I'm so glad that there's comedians that like throw that into. Yeah. Because uh, every every time it's like you as the audience, you get used to the car as like, okay, they're driving in this, they're driving in this, they're going to take it to their destination. It's a narrative contravance. It's just there for the purpose of getting them from point A to point B. Oh, wait, the car's the gag. You know? Yeah, yeah, love yeah. It. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sherlock Jr. is another fantastic one. Uh, Sherlock Jr. he plays a, a projectionist and he falls asleep and he dreams that he's in the movie. Oh, cute! And oh my god, this this was high tech stuff for its time. Right. In his dream, he's a projectionist. He walks up the aisle to the movie screen, and he steps into the screen. This is all one take. 
Okay. He steps up into the screen. Okay. And then there's I like, wonder if this is the first. I wonder if this is another one of those firsts. Uh, it, because it, I know it, that's another trope that gets used a lot. He walks into the screen and the screen, the, the theater is dimly lit and the screen is brightly lit behind the screen. Right. This little room built behind a screen. So it looks like he's stepping into a, into a movie. It's That's really cool. some of the best lighting I've seen is this trick. That's, and then they do a cut where the scene changes and the thing he's standing on isn't there anymore and he falls over. Okay. And All then right. at that point, it cuts. At that point, he's in the movie. He's in the movie. And every right, time the right. scene changes, he's still there in the center of the screen. But now he's in that's a new fantastic. scene. And right. Oh, that's so cool. The way they did it, the first couple, they built it into this theater. And uh, then the rest of it, they had to cut out a rectangle that fit that exact proportion and double right. expose the and film. And film down through the rectangle. Oh, wow. That's so it. they had it blacked out for the theater and just shoot two minutes of theater. Right, and then right. have that little thing cut out and filmed through that, and they so that you could layer it too. And they, yeah. and Buster would stay in the same position in the same part of the screen, but it <laughs> goes from a garden. Let me see. It goes from a garden to a busy city street to a mountaintop to a jungle with lions to a desert to a seashore, and he's out on a rock in the ocean to a snowdrift and then back to the garden. And if he's the type of perfectionist that you're describing, yeah. he's the type of person where he's like, okay, I got to stop moving, move everything around me so that we're ready for the next shot. Oh, there's no move everything around me. It's, we have to yeah. get in a car and go to a different place and film <laughs> it. They, and then I was standing like they, X. Yeah. I was wow. standing like this. They had to use surveyor's yeah. tools to That's line so up deep. the shot just right. <laughs> So the cool. meticulousness of it is amazing. And when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, how'd they do that? Right. Like, if right. they did that today, you'd be like, wow, how'd they do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's fantastic. There's also a great scene. Oh, my God, this scene is so good. Near the climax where uh, he uh, he's still in the dream. Uh, and Buster runs up. He's running down the street. And like I say, he's this great athlete. He's running down the street, keeping pace with a motorcycle cop. Right, right. And the cop says, hey, do you need a lift? He's like, yeah, yeah. So he gets on the handlebars of the motorcycle. And the cop's yeah. driving down the road. So they hit a speed bump. The cop falls off the motorcycle. Buster doesn't know it. So he's riding <laughs> on, the, on handlebars. the handlebars. No of, one's uh, driving. Yeah. And he has no idea that no one's driving, and that's what sells it, is he's stoic because right. someone's right. in control. I'll be yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. And he <laughs> he drives past. It's going through traffic, barely avoiding mm -hmm. trucks. He goes past right. a road crew, and each one of them shovels dirt in his face one by one. <laughs> uh there. And I'm assuming he's still gray face through the whole oh, thing, yeah. right? The great yeah, stone yeah. face. That's him. Right. There's a right. uh he they're going over a, a bridge and there's a gap missing. And he's kinda uh -huh. okay, there's this gap. And two box trucks pull up just right, so the motorcycle goes over them. Oh, that's it's awesome. amazing. Now the box yeah. truck thing was camera tricks, but all the rest of uh -huh. it you can because of how it's filmed. 
it's clearly not fake. Right. And right, that's the right. magic of Buster Keaton is it's how do yeah. you do that? Oh, yeah. Because he did it for real. And uh, they asked him in interviews right. in like the 50s, how did you do all those stunts? How did you do all that? And, he's, and he lifts up his shirt and it's just bruises and scars. <laughs> he's just covered in scar tissue. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. said he broke about every bone in his body. He's like evil Knievel. Yeah. Um, well, that's why, like, I, I, I keep waiting for you to get to the general because that's the one. Oh, that yeah, that's I, it's I coming up the most. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All um, right. Also, Sherlock Jr. There's a scene where he's, he's, uh, he's. There's a, a a water spout to pour water into a train engine. Right. For a steam engine, and they didn't realize how strong the water was gonna come out. So right. it the gag is oh the water hits him on the head and he falls down ha ha. It knocked oh, him so far down that his yeah, yeah. his head hit. Uh, the train rail and he broke his neck Holy shit! Oh but he didn't god. know that he broke his neck for 10 right. years oh my god he uh he blacked oh. out and he had blinding headaches for weeks wow. following but it was 10 right. years later he was at the doctor for like an insurance exam and the right. and the doctor right. looks at the x-ray and says hey when did you break your neck he says what are you talking about <laughs> i never broke my neck he's like well yeah from these plates where it grew this way clearly you broke this yeah. vertebra oh <laughs> he's like God. oh i guess it was probably when that thing happened <laughs> probably when i fell a story or two after getting hit by a gush of water doing a train gag yeah oh my god and uh wow. and the last thing with sherlock jr it's just a fabulous movie there's a trick where uh his buddy dresses up in a, a full-length coat and he has a little suitcase that's opened up over his stomach. And he says, jump in, jump in. And so Buster uh, runs down the alley and he jumps through this guy's stomach. And the cops are chasing him. <laughs> and the guy right. pulls up the suitcase and closes it and walks away. And there's a brick wall behind him. And you're like, how the hell did he do that? Yeah. And I had to sit yeah. there and watch it for a... I watched it right. about a dozen times trying... And I'm good this at this. This goes back to this Houdini type of stuff where it's, it's a like... magic it, trick. stage magic, yeah. It's a stage trick film. that yeah. Joe Keaton invented. Oh my God. When so him neat. and Houdini were working together. And that's he invented so it and he showed Buster how right. it works. Right, right. And uh, basically, behind the wall, there's a hole in the wall. And right the person in the coat is laying down with his head and arms st sticking out of the wall. Okay. And the coat right. has, uh, has buckshot in the bottom ball bearings to hold it down. Okay. So he's elevated and Buster jumps through the hole where the suitcase is lined up with it, jumps through the hole and goes all the way straight through. And the, the moment he does that, the guy on top, his legs swing down and he steps into the coat and steps out and the hole is closed up. And this all happens the in, height a, difference. in about a second. Right. It's about right. a second and, you're and able a half. To do it because of the height difference of the size of the person. That's Buster so cool. swings about three and a half, four feet up and the guy swings down right. from about six feet up. Oh my God, that's so wild. And it's, that's so wild. And it's one of those things, it's one of those magic tricks where you're like, wow, yeah. that's amazing. And then you learn how they do it and you're like, wow, that's twice as yeah. amazing now that I know the right. mechanics of it. Right. Just to right. be that, ugh, 
kills yeah. me. Um, speaking of the stone face, an- his another picture from like twenty five or so, nineteen twenty five. Go west has a great gag. By this time, he's the stone face. He's deadpan. Okay, right. He's stoic. He yeah. does not emote. Right. There's a there's a Western picture. He says the guy's cheating at cards. And so he does the famous Western line. When you say yeah. that, smile. Yeah. And it holds on Buster for about 10 seconds. And he goes, yeah. well, because he doesn't smile. Yeah. So he takes his two fingers and lifts at the corner <laughs> of his mouth. And pushes up the face to make the fourth smile. <laughs> yeah. It's a good nice, thing we're on video. Nice. That'll be very good on the audio podcast. But yeah, he yeah, pushes yeah, yeah. up the corners, and so that's how he... Right, right. So, and there... Oh, there's so many good movies. Every movie is good. <laughs> the General. Yeah. The General is maybe... Oh, it's so good. Like, I, there's about five that are my top number one favorite. The so General like, is, like, the, number two of my top five number ones. <laughs> They're all the, number the, one. The, the reason I like the general is because it's one of those that um, I, you know, that I uh, kind of rotate in and out of uh, every model hobby yeah. that's available to man. Oh yeah, and um, uh, one of the ones that you'll see occasionally on um, the model uh, the the model train uh, subreddit and sub forums is that. Um, people will get this one engine and I cannot remember what the engine is, but it's like an American classic or an American standard or something. And then there will always be like the third or fourth comment down. Uh, somebody will be like, Oh, it's the general from the Buster Keaton movie. So it's like, yeah. this is the, the model train to own yeah, yeah, yeah. Do an old West setup. Yeah. And then the other bit that I remember about that is that when this was, when the general was done and when Keaton was doing these films, it was just at the end of the 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 steam engines and so they had these they had these um they had lots of steam engines left over basically yeah that no one was using (laughs) right and this is just before um the arrival of of um the uh the diesel engine and uh this is the transition to they were flirting with steam gasoline and stuff like that. Um, but this is where you get these, you know, when you think of like the big kind of 1930s, 1940s metal tube engines. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. A, you know, um, that that era was on its way up. Yeah. Well, your, your the, silver bullets and your streaks. And right, your, right. Your, uh, right. Well, the cow catcher chief. with the spigot. Yeah. Well, the cow catcher with the spigot steam engine that you see in all the cowboy right. movies were putting being put on the sideline because they were starting to rust exactly yeah yeah. so plenty of steam engines for (laughs) folks like buster keaton to destroy in the process (laughs) of making movies (laughs) he only destroyed one uh yeah so so they go up to i think it's washington or oregon somewhere up there and uh and they caught him it was it was something where it was some little town that was a gold rush town and no one mm-hmm. went there anymore something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's no one's there anymore and there's miles right. of track that no one's right. using. So they're just yep. like, well, hell, great, we got our moment. Yep. So the general is based on a true story from the Civil War called the Great Locomotive Chase. Okay. And what happened? And there was a a, a big book about it, and. Uh, 
And Buster, he was like you. He's a big train guy, model guy, yeah. mechanics, yeah. engineering. Right. He'd, lo- he'd live right. for this stuff. He loved trains. Any, anything mechanry. Yeah. 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 Right. He just had a love affair with trains his whole life. When he was an old man, he was, people would come over, where's Buster? Oh, he's in the garage with his trains. He had little model yeah. trains he would set up. He was a big train guy. So this the was... The mark of a good person right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... He says subjectively. <laughs> <laughs> so in the Civil War, uh, these Union guys came down into... Uh, uh, I think it was... Uh, I want to say Georgia. I want to say it's north, northwest Georgia where it happened. Right. These Union guys come down and steal a Confederate train. Okay. And they drive it up the tracks, and they're the whole time they're going, they're knocking down telegraph wires, and they're burning right. bridges, and right. they're doing as much damage as they it's can. Generally being a pest, yeah. To, to knock out all the railroad stuff. And they got to knock right. out the telegraph towers, the wires, so that town A can't radio ahead to town B. Hey, look out for this right. train. Right, right. So that it's a surprise. Um, and so he takes his real story and he's like, all right, well, this is a great story and it's trains and everyone, right. cool, let's do it. Um, yeah, yeah. And so Buster plays a, conf- uh, a southern engineer and okay. war is declared and everybody right. goes and signs up and enlists and he's the first guy in line. Right. And he's like, okay. all right, yeah, I'll, I'll, there's a war. Okay, everyone's... Mm-hmm. And his, his, his girlfriend's like, well, you're going to enlist, right? My brothers and dad are all enlisting. You're going to do it too, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, okay. To, yeah, of course. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. it's Wester Keith. So he so runs. Like, oh, yep, 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 yep. Because yeah. he wants to impress his girlfriend. So he runs, and he's first mm-hmm. in line. And they say, all right, well, he's like, I'm here to enlist. He goes, what's your job? I'm, an, yeah. I'm a train engineer. He goes, oh, right. oh, well, this guy's a train engineer. We need him. He's like, sorry, buddy, we can't use you. So he's all sad and dejected. And his girlfriend's, he's like, I tried, really. And it's like, ah, you're a liar. Get out of here. Boo. Right. right. So he's just all sad. And so it's like a year later, and he figures out that this train was stolen. And so he's like, ah, now is my chance to be the southern hero. Right, right. right. And this... Keep in mind, this is the 20s where people were like, yeah. yay, Confederacy. Yeah. <laughs> right. There was right, a resurgence right. of Confederate love. Uh, yeah. Buster actually said uh, the book it's based on was written from a Union perspective, but he didn't think, yeah. he said it was easier to sell it with the Confederate protagonist than a Union guy. Right. Just because right. it was the right. 20s, so, uh-oh. Yeah, well, this is also virtually 100 years ago. Or it was 100 like, years you, ago. Coming out of the 1850s, 1860s, and... Into the 1920s. Hey, let's put up a bunch of statues of Confederate generals. Right, 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 right. Yeah, let's do that. That's cool. So anyway, this is a train Uh, movie. I will say... Yeah, let's go back to the train part of this. (laughs) The... I don't even want to call it politics of the war, but the, the reasons for the war doesn't factor into this movie at all. Right. There's no... The South is right. It's just red versus blue. It's yeah, it's right. yeah, it's it's yeah. Red versus blue, and yeah. Buster because he's from wherever. His character is from right. wherever. Right, right. So he's basically his train. Yeah. He he grabs a a train and he's chasing these these other guys in the other train. 
this is the part where I, I know I've seen bits of this because I've, whether it's through GIF or whether it's through YouTube or whether it's through uh, my my old cinema classes, I I just it's it's the train chase. It's the, the train the chase. The riding up alongside with with the horse, the on the cow catcher crawling across the the steam engine itself. Yeah, this is the stuff I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I always thought this was amazing. And so, two trains chasing each other is incredible. Yeah. I I'm sold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking this is like the Fast and the Furious of the twenties. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's trains, and so I called it. Yep. What did I say? I said it's the slow. And the steamed up, I don't know. I'm steamed. <laughs> the slow and the steamiest. The, the, the slow and the and the surly. Uh, the slow and the surly. So, so he's and so and so they play dirty tricks on each other, and they'll, right. you know, the guys in front, they'll they throw big railroad ties. A railroad tie. It's uh-huh. a big square. Think of like the the beams across your house. Right, like, like that. a giant eye beam. Yeah, Throwing right, those right. Uh, across the tracks to slow him down. So yeah. he go, oh no, right. and he, he's sitting on the cow catcher and he picks one up and yeah. he throws it so it knocks the next one out of the way. It's a really cool right. stunt. Um, he, they, they, they saw a genuine Civil War cannon that was sitting on a train and they're like, oh wow, cool, let's build one of those. So they built a cannon. Right. Right. And through trial and error, they found out that you shouldn't put very much gunpowder in it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. an accident that they, an accident in the experimental process, became a really good gag in the movie and a pivotal plot point, okay. um, where right. he fires a, a cannon and he's trying to shoot the other train. So. He uh, there's lots of jumping off the train, doing a thing, jumping back on the right. train, yep. running yeah. back and forth across the train, jumping from one train to another train. Yeah, because I could swear the general is also the one where it's like I think it's uh, the the um, the water like shoot for the water tower mm-hmm. is hanging down, and he realizes that the bad guys are coming up from the back of the train. And he's at the he's at the steam engine, and he kind of like looks, and I I I think this is the general, but I could swear it's like he looks, he does the judgment call, he grabs the pipe, the train goes under him, and then he falls down like five cars later, and then he's like <laughs> fisticuffing with them. Oh uh, no, that's something I think else. That's general? No, no okay. that All must right. be something All else. Right. But uh, yeah. but yeah, there's lots of but there's. Think of something you could do with a train, and they probably do it. Right. It's fabulous stunt work. It's a stunt spectacular. Yeah. This movie. Right. Um. It's it's really really great. Um. But. The the big climax. Right. He the, he Buster gets ahead of the other guys through like mm. diverting railroads and bending tracks, and they trick right. each other and stuff. Like, how do you have? Right. You would you'd sit there and you think, how do you have a train chase? How can you get ahead <laughs> yeah. of someone who's on the same track as you? Yeah, there's right. ways, and they figure it out. Right, um, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, there's a scene where they set fire to a bridge, uh, and the 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 other train is coming up behind it, and it crosses the bridge, and it collapses yeah. and falls in the river. 
Right. This one shot. That scene. Yeah, I know what shot you're talking about now. It's the most. This is a gif. The most expensive shot of the silent era. Yeah. Was this one shot because they built the bridge. Yeah. They set it on fire. (laughs) Right. They they had a train that they bought (laughs) (laughs) for this shot. And they ran the train on the flaming bridge. Drop a train into a river. (laughs) <laughs> the whole town came out came out to watch this. Right. There was right. uh it was like the Oregon well, Why wouldn't you? It's yeah, like, you know, you got nothing message goes to out do. to the Buster local Keaton's neighborhood. Hey, town. you want to see a re- Yeah, yeah, not only is Buster Keaton in town, but he's going to run a, rich, a railroad train yeah. over a flaming bridge yeah. which is then going to collapse. You should come out and watch the final shot. And there was a Hell dummy yeah, I'd be there in spades. There was a dummy in a white shirt at the engineer's position. Right. And the in the fall, the dummy wiggled a little bit. People fainted because they thought there was a guy uh, driving it and that they were watching ah, a guy die. People fainted. Right. That's awesome. They thought it was so real. <laughs> and all, Oh, my stars! <laughs> and also, what, what was expensive about it was the they hired about 500 guys from the Oregon National Guard to play the armies. Oh, wow. And uh, they would put on okay. their right, right. gray jackets and and be the Confederate guys running from left to right, right and then put right. on their blue jackets and be the Union be guys the Union running guys from right running to left. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then half of them would fight half of them, and they'd yeah, all shoot right, each other right. and shoot cannons, and they get a <laughs> lot of cool gags out of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and today, it's universally regarded as this classic, wonder, wonderful, hilarious movie. Yeah. Not so much in 1927. 1926 really? when it came out it was huh. it wasn't a bomb it got yeah. mixed reviews the big yeah. papers and magazines all trashed it huh. it lost some money like right. i said that one shot of a train falling down cost the equivalent of of of, of the budget the budget was three quarters of a million dollars okay that one right. shot was about nine percent of it wow it was okay. forty-two thousand, so about seven percent wow okay all right yeah all right it was about six hundred thousand dollars in today's money um so and it made about yeah, a million so that's like that's the special effects shot that you pay for yeah that's except it, yeah. yeah right and the rest Dude. it's so like well he's sitting on the train doing the thing right you can't fake right. it in the 20s. Yeah, right. There's no right, computers. Right. There's there's not even yeah. they don't even it's it's not for another 7 or 8 years before they mix animation and live action. Uh, there's a, a right. Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck short that yeah. uh, that mixed live action. I think that was the first time they were able to do it. Yeah, that's the other thing that I remember about the general is that um you've got all of these shots of like I think the one that always stands out in my mind is the shot of you know, the camera moving in on Keaton while he's sitting on the cow catcher of the train and the train is moving forward, which means that they had to have a camera train right. in front of the actual train. That's the other thing. And they had to slow down the camera train slow yeah. enough to get the camera so they're going at the same speed. On the cow catcher. Right, the constant right, speed, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so wherever they went, they had to have parallel tracks because right. the entire oh, yeah, movie, yeah. they're in motion. Yeah. For yeah. an hour of this movie, they're in motion. Right. Uh, right. They're very rarely sitting still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And if they're sitting still, they're sitting still on the cowcatcher of a on train. On a train. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just a phenomenal movie, technically and comedically. It's yeah. it's great, um, but yeah, it it barely covered its cost. It didn't make much money, which made United Artists, the distributor, say, mm, "I don't know about." Mm. They started. Take, they started dwindling down the budget that uh, well, Keaton was they, getting to do his silly stuff. They started meddling. This uh, is where the meddling uh, starts. Oh uh, no. Uh, so yeah, he it was Buster Keaton Studios, but the distributor was right. United Artists, and that's who paid the bills. Right. Right. So uh, his his next movie is called College, and that's it's it's fine. He's a he's a dork, uh, okay. and all the girls want an, uh, a jock, so he tries to right. do all the different sports, and it's funny. He tries baseball, right. and he tries track, and he tries all these things, mm-hmm. and be, because he's it's body acting the way that Christopher Reeve played Clark Kent in Superman. If you've ever seen uh, okay. Superman yeah. the movie, some of the best acting, uh-huh. he sits there as Clark, he stands there as Clark Kent, and he's hunched over like a little weenie. And right, then right. when no one's looking, he stands up straight and he becomes Superman. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. his posture changes. Right. Oh my right. God. It's that physical representation of the character as Clark Kent, yeah. the hunched over shoulders in Superman. He goes from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from nebbish to Atlas. And you're like, Oh my God, yeah. that's the greatest acting I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> right, stand right, right. up straight. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the greatest transformation yeah. in movie history. Right. Um, and so it's, it's that sort of thing. He's this terrific athlete in real life, Buster Keaton. Um, but he's able, because he's so good, he's able to play off being a complete klutz and a bookish dork trying to do sports. Oh, I'm going to sports today. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's great. It's really funny. Um, it's really unfortunate that, that, um, that concept of, uh, the, the geek versus the jock went away uh, (laughs) again, you know, that's that's not a thing that you know completely it's no longer part of uh, our modern era. No, so, not at all. Yeah, definitely, definitely just a, a type of joke you can only pull off back then these days. So, now that we've talked about the movie where he plays a Confederate hero, mm-hmm. I like a lot of things that are a hundred years old. So it's time for the regular segment. Is this guy Dan likes racist? Oh no. Is this guy that Dan likes racist? Hopefully not this episode. There are some wonderful stuff. And the arena, this is great. I love this book. Oh no, don't say that word. Peachy Woodhouse. That reminds me of when we were doing Collier Brothers and the more that we did the research on the Collier oh, Brothers. Oh my we were god, like, these guys oh, are monsters. They're terrible. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. It's PG. Like, oh, they're so funny. They're so eccentric. 
Oh my god. Oh no. Yeah, P.G. Yeah. Woodhouse. A couple of his books. You're reading. Oh, this is hilarious. He. Oh, excuse me. You can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's right, like, right, oh, right. it was just a crappy term in England at the time. That sucks. Yeah. That's racist, dude. Yeah. You can't be a racist. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. So. Buster Keaton, was it racist? So, on the yes column, he played a Confederate hero. <laughs> Wait, so he, he he legit was racist? Well, that's that's the, and it's time to investigate. In the yes okay. column. Oh, oh, was he racist? Was he okay, racist? Okay, okay, in the okay. yes column. Got it, got it, got it, got it. In the general, okay, he plays go. a Confederate hero. Uh-huh. In context, segregation was a huge economic factor. Uh, mm-hmm. He did have a lot of black actors in his movies who generally right. played human beings with dignity. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, to be fair, in 1920s, that's actually that's culturally pretty important. good. Yep. 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 <laughs> that's yep. pretty yep. good. Yep. Um, yep. There was a, a short there. called The Playhouse where in the beginning, mm-hmm. Buster plays all the parts. And it was really mm-hmm. cool trick photography because at one part, there's nine of him dancing on stage next to each other side by side okay. which means they had to okay. shoot it nine times with one little right. slit of the lens exposed right and so he's doing all these things and he's all the players in the band and he's in the mm-hmm. balcony watching and it's great it's funny one of the yeah. characters in the stage show is in blackface playing a tambourine so it's like ooh uh, yeah but it was also strike that's a strike yeah that is also a really common thing in vaudeville. Blackface? Yeah. Oh my God, they yeah. all did it. Yeah. Who's your favorite comedian from the 40s? They did blackface. Yeah. yeah. They all Chaplin did. did blackface? Who did? Yeah, okay. Chaplin? Yeah, all yeah. of them. Okay. If yeah. you were a yeah. white actor, you did blackface. Yeah. Uh, right. The Burnt right. Cork. Fred Allen did it. Jack Benny did it. Char- Charlie Chaplin did it. Uh, Keaton did it Uh, Mm -hmm. they all did it Harold Lloyd all of them they all did blackface it's just what you did that sucks hey it's America we are shameful right 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 yeah just we'll just take take this collection of horrible things that white people should be embarrassed of and put it with the rest of the mountain of horrible things that we should be embarrassed of white men we're the worst Uh, Chaplin was British so I don't know if he did blackface or not i'm assuming because yeah. he was alive during the 20s and teens um yeah. so inevitably at some probably point, yeah um right. also in the yes column uh there were some most of the characters who were black were played by black people and they had dignity and regular people there was one who was cartoonishly terrified of a ghost uh one scene uh the uh, in three ages in the Rome segment, uh, they go to the fortune teller and they tell fortune by rolling giant dice and some black guys roll up and oh we're gonna roll dice cool. Mm-hmm. There's a stereotype, okay. Oh yeah, it's a combination so, of the stereotype. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's okay. the yes column for racism. In the no uh-huh. column, not racism. Uh-huh. There's the majority of black characters were. Store clerks, barbers, someone walking down the street, you know, a, a guy working at the hotel, like normal folks, not right. stupid cartoons. Right. Characters played as characters, not characters played for the right. uh, basis of their race. Okay. Uh, the one you mentioned, the navigator, 
one of the first shots, there's a nice, like, upper-middle-class-looking black couple walking down the street. And that's what convinces him, I'm going to go get married. That's like mm. his, they inspire him. To, that is so it's like, okay. particularly rare for the 1920s. Yeah, okay, yeah, Buster, yeah, okay. pretty good. Okay. okay, right, right. Same movie ends with, they, uh, they go to this island and hordes of cannibals come and attack them. Not, uh, yeah. not so good. That's pretty racist. You don't have to fill the rest of that out. I, I kind of yeah. can make the guess there. Yeah. <laughs> um, college, the movie College has a blackface scene, but this is the scene. He sees an ad in the restaurant that they need a, quote, colored waiter. Yeah. So he does blackface in order to get the job. Right. Something happens that exposes, oh, this was right. just, you know, shoe polish or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. All of the black people working in the kitchen immediately, like, yeah. throw him out. And so okay. he, he is right. clearly, oh, this character is an asshole. Yeah. Oh, is you the have clear to get the hell out. Is right. the clear right. message of that scene. It's like, oh, okay. you're the you're the asshole in this scene. You're played very clearly to be the anti-hero there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not All sympathetic right. to do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's okay. still a guy well, in blackface. Right. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got like we've got four against four against four <laughs> against. So so it's kind of. It's kind of in between there. So the, a lot know? of it is basically based on the context. A lot of it is context. Like he he said, yeah. the general, it would be hard to sell as a un, a pro union movie. So he leaned more pro confederate right. to sell it because that was yeah. the audience. Well, he was also a filmmaker, and it was a nineteen twenty. Yeah. So he was kind of doing a judgment. He goal had to do the audience. Time. Yeah. He didn't think that American audiences would go for it if it was from a union perspective which is crazy but true yeah. and actually not that crazy because america um yeah. so when you do the math for 2020 is he racist yeah because yeah. he was yep. a white guy in the 20s so of course he's racist yeah. <laughs> right um right i would say that if i was born back then i would be a huge racist because I'm a white guy in America. Um, I was born in 1982, and even still, I had a lot of deprogramming that I had to do, because it's America. Same. And that yeah. is crazy sauce. Yep. Um, you and I have talked about this more than a number of times, yeah. and I grew up down in North Carolina, where it's... Uh, Slightly the, more. The, the, the race, <laughs> yeah, the racism would basically bleed from the walls of the high school. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, I had to go home and uh, ask my mom about certain things that I had heard. And my mom would look at me and go, where in the fuck did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. And I had to go, someone at my high school said it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a sobering thought to know that if I was born yeah. in, in 1832 instead of 1982, yeah. I most likely would have fought for the Confederate Army. Mm. That is terrifying. But true, because that's what I would have grown up as, and that's crazy. Um, and at that time, abolitionists were almost entirely racist. Right. Uh, right. Let's get rid of slavery. Oh, cool. And then you'll, like, work with them and have them go out with your children. What? Are you crazy? No, they need to leave the uh, country. <laughs> They're yeah, beneath right, us. Right, So, yeah, was yeah the, so we can therefore get, yeah. It was horrible. Still is horrible. We have a lot of growing to do. Yeah. So I would give him... 
from 1925, I would give him a B plus. For 2020, I would give him an F. F plus. Click. F plus. <laughs> so contextually, probably like a C minus for mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not cool, right. but you right. don't have to like... Yeah. You don't have to... Uh, bury his movies in in the in the backyard right right right. there's a couple you might not want to watch but generally he's okay right so that's been this edition of does dan like someone who's racist (laughs) (laughs) Uh, does dan like someone who's racist turns out the answer is no this time hey barely (laughs) but barely (laughs) Then we have his last two great movies. His last one for United Artists was Steamboat Bill. Steamboat Bill Jr. I love this movie. Okay. This is the one where the wall falls on him. Okay. And he yeah, and, yeah. and he goes through the window. That scene. This right. amazing scene. And it was actually not the first time he did it. He did it um in it was a uh, a part of a set. And yeah. I think it was the stage. Yeah, backstage. It was it was like a painted piece of set fell uh-huh. on him. I think it was uh-huh. a, a balcony set piece fell on him right. from, you know, right behind him. Yeah. Uh, and so that was like, you know, five pounds. The second time they did it in the movie One Week, where they're building the house, there's a bare wooden wall just framed up. And they did that gag. And it's like, okay, good gag. Steamboat Bill Jr., oh, that's interesting. depending on who you ask, the wall weighed mm-hmm. between one and 4,000 pounds. <laughs> it was an entire right. wall. Yeah. yeah. And it was on a hinge. Right. So it came down. It wouldn't lurch forward from the weight. It right. was on a hinge. Right. Yeah. And they, well, also, the nice thing about having it on the hinge is that you can also pull a dramatic effect where it's like you can decide how fast you want it to come oh, down. Oh, it came down fast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they no, see, they hinged it, yeah, uh, go, they go. laid it down flat on the ground, and they marked where he needs to stand with a nail. Uh, they okay. put a nail in the dirt, and then right. they pulled it up on ropes. <laughs> Some of the crew quit. <laughs> the story, the rumor is that the cameraman... I'm not staying on this damn set. We're about to kill Buster Keaton. Exactly. <laughs> the story is the cameraman started cranking the camera and looked away. Right. He couldn't watch. Right. 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 Um, I cannot watch this man die. If you look closely, it brushes his shoulder and you see his left yeah. arm wiggle from where the yeah. window brushes against him. If he right. was a couple inches over, either way, it would have wrecked him. Right. Um, right. And and we've all seen it. It's this iconic shaboom, and he stands yeah. there dazed, right. and he doesn't. Need, he hardly blinks. As a matter of fact, it takes him a second um, to see it and realize, and then react, and he runs away. Oh yeah, yeah. That scene is actually so well loved by um, Universal that um, they use that as part of their special effects, like interactive show tour. Mm. Not interactive. It wasn't a show tour, but it was um, down in Universal Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had they had a uh, thing. 
yeah, they had a special effects uh, like backlot show that they would do, and they always had the the two story barn uh, stage prop ready to go, and that was part of that show. Yeah, and that's one of those things I remember going back to when I was a kid, and I remember going there, and they 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 played it for effect there live. And they have the cowboy do kind of the exact same thing. And then they explain it out. They say, you know, first pioneered by Buster Keaton, stuff like that. So it's not only is it amazing in context within the movie, within that movie, it's also so well loved by special effects artists that they recreate it ad nauseum. Because why wouldn't you recreate it? It's It's an amazing gag. It's It's a a fabulous gag. Yeah. And Steamboat Bill Jr. is beginning to end funny. It's one yeah. of those movies where it's pure, it's just the Buster show. Right. And he, 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 it start. his dad is a steamboat pilot on the Mississippi and he hasn't seen his kid since he was a baby. He's living with his mom. He's out of college. So he's going to come see his dad and visit his dad for a little bit. The way that they reveal, oh, this is my kid. Oh, this is my dad. That's hilarious. The dad right. takes some hat right. shopping. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He, there, uh, there's a there's a, a scene in jail where the dad's locked up for something and, and Buster's there to try to break him out. And that's hilarious. He's non-reactive. And it's hilarious. Just everything is hilarious. Right, right. Right. But the the thing that the movie's known for is the last 15 minutes or so when the cyclone mm. hits. Um, and it was going to be the river flooding. But while they were right. shooting it, or they were getting ready to shoot it, they were planning it, mm-hmm. the Mississippi flooded, for real. <laughs> and on the news footage was like, oh, wow, this is really bad. Let's think of something else. <laughs> Okay. How about a cyclone? <laughs> it's like, this is going to be a little bit too on the nose. Yeah, so they, yeah, they changed right. it to a cyclone. And so they had, right. well, how do we make a building fall apart? How do we make a building uh-huh. fly in the air? How do we make a right. guy fly in the air? Right, right. Um, and it's Practical effects abound. Practical and effects probably just like abound. a buffet for, for uh, yeah. Keaton. Okay. And, it's, right, right. and it's wonderful. Yeah. And every gag is fantastic. There's... Yeah. The the way that they did the wind, because there's real wind. They took right. six airplane engines and fired them All down right. the street. And All that's right. your wind. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's a scene, nice. He's nice. running up the du- the dirt road and he's being blown yeah. back. He's he's leaning at like a 45 degree angle running right. and he right. can't get anywhere. Oh, that's fantastic. He falls right. down. Uh he tries to jump forward. He does this jump. Anyone can fall down. Right. Falling's easy. Yeah. Any, almost anyone can do a Pratt fall. I've just like, I've never seen anyone jump like Buster Keaton. I've never seen anyone (laughs) fall and land like Buster Keaton. Right. He is pushing against the six airplane engines worth of wind. Mm-hmm. He gets a little headway. It pushes him over. He jumps. 
he falls on his face and slides oh a couple of feet in the dirt <laughs> on his face. Wow. Holy crap. Just the nerve. Well, I'm going to go do this now. Yeah, How do you right, do that? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah, constantly yeah. doing stuff like that. These crazy yeah. falls where he, he puts all That's this so business awesome. on it. Yeah. He'll slip. Yeah. Anyone would just slip. Oh, I fell on my bottom. He slips and does a flip and spins around on his head like a break dancer right. and then falls and looks around right. and stands up immediately. What was that? Right. It's there's a bananas. whole acrobatics to it. Yeah. It's bananas oh, what this guy does. He's an acrobat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it makes me think that if, if, if he's, if he's sharing, uh, I guess not just lineage, but at a certain point, you know, stage presence with, both his dad Joe Keaton and 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 learning along the way as he's growing up, yeah. From Houdini, I would and guess all these other of, you know right. anonymous at this point performers. Yeah, yeah. I would guess that there's basically a whole lifetime of people kind of whispering in his ear. You know, hey, you know the the way to really sell this on the stage exactly. is to do X. Exactly. And then he's carrying all of this stagecraft gaggery to doing it on the silver screen. Yep. Uh, because he knows that he can do that, plus he has the ability to cut clips, so he can do uh, you know any number of, of of ridiculous pratfalls, and then he can choose his favorite one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so it's this wonderful movie. Steamboat Bill Jr. Right. is maybe my favorite of his movies. It's just so good. The yeah. whole cyclone sequence is incredible. Um. And it lost money. Oh, wow. It lost about a quarter huh. of a million dollars at the box office. Jeez. About four million today. Wow. In today's money. Right. Not the worst bomb. Yeah. But right. after the general and then the Steamboat Bill Jr., that's two stunt spectaculars. Right, that, right, right. That that they were they were losing money on and uh united artists and and shank they were like you know what no we're done you cost us too much money so they sold him to mgm huh okay so now he's at mgm and right also at the at this time his marriage was falling apart okay he was drinking more right uh he wasn't divorced yet, but it was starting to get bad. And he said, he said, would you do that again? And he's like, absolutely not. And he's like, no, I was crazy then. I didn't, right, if, right, you know, right. I was so crazy. If it hit me, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Right. Just, he was just in a really bad way. And this is the beginning of like his long decline. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Okay. The, so the first movie for MGM, 1928, it's his last great movie. Okay. The Cameraman. Right. Is the only time MGM gave him any kind of control. All right. And they said, all right, here's your script. And it's all written out. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't know how to read uh, a script. So this is after like years and years of being used to make uh, making movies by kind of having a great idea for a silly gag. Yeah, show up with blueprints um, and, then, and an outline in your head and make a movie. Now it's, well, here's the script right. and here's the dialogue now, and here's the guys. Right. And we had right. 10 guys write this movie. And I'm like, what do you need right. 10 guys writing this movie for? 
Yeah, and now he's like, what the hell are you talking about? And it's, this is not how I do my... Yeah. And it's too many cooks. It's the beginning uh, of too many cooks. Right, so the cameraman right. is the last movie where he had any kind of control. Okay. And he was able okay. to throw away a lot of their script. <laughs> right. Oh, interesting. Um, huh. This movie has some great scenes. He is. Uh, he gets hired as a news cameraman for the right. newsreels. Right. Um, and he's also trying to date the switchboard lady at the at the news agency. Okay. Uh, All right. If have you ever seen the Mister Bean where he goes to the pool? And he's swimming around the he's pool, and his chunks fall off, and all piece, that. And he's got the cap and everything. So, Mister Bean borrowed faintly, a lot yeah. from this <laughs> for that pool episode. Loving okay. it, Mister okay. Bean borrowed a lot of right. good stuff. He's and he's like, oh right. yeah, I, right. I, I borrowed from Monsieur Hulo. Big fan. Yeah, right. right. Um, so there's a pool sequence, a lot like Mister Bean. Uh, there's a scene where he's up on a scaffolding. Right. And someone knocks the scaffolding out and he, the scaffolding collapses as he's shooting footage and it kaboom hits the street. Oh, oh I got to get up and run away. Uh, that's right. one of the big famous gifts that pops up a lot. Again, it's a set piece movie. And the big set right. piece of this movie is he hears a rumor that there's going to be trouble in Chinatown. Mm. So he goes up to Chinatown and there is what they called a Tong War where two gangs just start killing each other. Okay. And this was like a thing. Tong Wars were like a thing. Um, <laughs> it's so... The immediacy of it is so funny because he's there and he's uh-huh. looking around and he's like, well, right. all right, he's in Chinatown and there's like a parade is starting and then out of nowhere, right. like two guys start shooting. Yeah. Every guy in the in town pulls out a gun and starts shooting each other. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just immediately. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in yeah. one frame, there's a hundred guys is a shooting at each other. Which you then end up seeing in all sorts of, like, you see it in Mel Brooks movies and yeah, stuff just, like that. It's like, it's like, why does this person have a whatever under yeah. their, you know, shirt? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, There's a, one of those parade dragons, and that lifts up, and every right. guy under it has a gun and is shooting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's like someone flipped a switch from right right uh no shooting shooting okay yeah yep (laughs) and there's now it's time to kill everybody there's like military machine guns on tripods just fanning over it's ridiculous (laughs) uh there's uh he 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 somehow acquires a little pet monkey at one point the monkey is shooting the camera and (laughs) it's 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 really goofy and back to the racism thing they're Chinese guys. They're yeah, not white guys in yellow face. He got actual yeah. Asian people, so that's good. Ah, that's okay. not racist. Okay. He got actual. Right, right. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't white guys in makeup, so that's nice. All right. Score one for Buster. Take that breakfast at Tiffany's. Jeez. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> no. Or I don't oh know god. half of Peter Sellers' career. Anyway, uh, yeah. love you, Pete. Kind of hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so after the cameraman, which is a great movie, um, that was the last one where he had any independence. After that, yeah. it was talkies. All of them after that were talkies, which is fine. He had a nice okay. baritone voice. You know who he sounds like when he talks? Have you ever heard yeah. Iggy Pop talk? Uh, yeah, sort of. That's who Buster Keaton sounds um, like. 
is uh, sort of this is like oh yeah hello, raspy yeah, yeah, yeah. midwestern yeah i'm not much at talking i i i have heard iggy pop uh yeah he's like and, and oh, when I, yeah oh yeah well you know we were just over there and and he has this yeah, sort of Kansas yeah. accent. So he's, he, he, he's got this bottom of the throat deep. Yeah, I don't know how you, yeah, yeah. how you, you kind of have to put your chin into your chest to talk yeah. like that. Yeah. And you got that sort of Midwestern canter to it. And it's just that. So it's, it's me, right? So <laughs> I, I do have to let you know that the reason that I know why I, I know how Iggy, Iggy Pop sounds is because he is a um, member of the Dominion in an episode of Star Trek Hell Space Nine. Yeah. And the Ferengi accidentally kill him, and they have to walk his animated corpse over to some of the other members of the Dominion as part of a prisoner exchange. Yeah. And so you have um, Iggy Pop with his long, lanky body <laughs> kind of Frankensteining his way oh, nice. across the promenade. And it's like... Not only is it Iggy Pop being hilarious as that character, but then after he dies, he lays around and and all the little short Ferengi guys, including Wally Shawn, inconceivable, are all trying to figure out how to get this corpse over without telling the the other side that they've killed their prisoner. It's it's, uh, a really fantastic episode. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Around the same time, he was uh, the neighbor on Pete and Pete. Oh my God, you're right. All straight wow. laced. Oh my God, you're so right. So that's who Buster Keaton sounds wow. like when he talks is Iggy Pop, <laughs> and yeah. he has he has that same sort of oh shucks Midwestern kind of lingo. Uh-huh. He has that uh-huh. rhythm and uh, anyway, um, they can pull it off. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love his voice. He has a great voice. <laughs> Um, and so MGM has him do all these talkies, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, mm-hmm. how, but it's, it's a mismatch. They're, they're just like, well, he's a comedian, so put him in the role. But it's not right. a Buster role. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's an anybody role. Okay. And it's a lot of puns, a lot of, you know, uh, crappy, um, um, plays on words play and yeah right, right and a lot of you know like in a Marx Brothers movie where they have the Zeppo scene and you're like oh mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go to the bathroom right it's right. like make a movie about Zeppo is oh, what no. is what your typical 30s comedy was yeah, there's a lot of right. 30s comedies that are great and I love them mm-hmm. um, right but you know, they can't all be... It just so happened that somehow Buster Keaton ended up with the the water The ones. crappy ones, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean... Yeah, right. He didn't... And, but he also didn't have the best writers writing his lines. Like mm-hmm. Cary Grant did. And like Catherine Hepburn right. did. <laughs> he right. had the right. lousy right. writers. And he had not the best directors. And he would say, oh, you know how we could do it is like this. And they didn't listen. Right, because by that point he was a he was a stooge as part of the machine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, right. uh, and so, yeah, he was in these sort of like melodramatic 
comedy movies that weren't that super great. Um, after a while, they made him have a stunt double, which he hated. Uh, he always said stuntmen yeah. aren't funny. Right. Um, and to add insult to entry, they did better at the box office than his amazing movies. Oh, no. So he's watching these watered down kind of and put it in the Odeon. He bought a mansion with him. Hated it. Oh, man. Um, and by this point, uh, 1932, his, his wife divorces him, takes Ugh. all his money, takes his sons. So he has no wife, no kids, no money. He's not in charge of his career anymore. He's under contract right. to a studio he hates, making lousy pictures. And when they I've recorded them, Hollywood true stories to know which direction this is going. Something he said: the way that they filmed these these movies, they would film it once in English, and then they'd film it in Spanish, and then they'd film it in French, <laughs> and then they'd film it in German <laughs> or whatever. He says like, so like you that. have to make the same lousy two reeler four times. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, so yeah, he's just, he's drinking more and more. Right. Uh, right. he's, the, the marriage was breaking up because he was miserable from work because right. there was rumors that it was a loveless marriage. He was, uh, yeah. he was cheating. He had like a steady girlfriend here and then another steady girlfriend here. He was cheating a lot right. and right. they had separate bedrooms and it was sort of like, just don't make the cheating public. But he got drunker and drunker and the cheating became more and more obvious. And so they... Right. It was like, okay, this is bad oh, taste. Geez. Let's split it up. Or it's bad show, whatever. And it just falls and falls and falls apart. And it's just everything's right. falling apart. And he... Huh. The movies basically were not great. They're not awful. Right. Usually there's like, oh, well, that gag was good. There's something yeah. salvageable from them. But they're just, right. they're not great. Um, like yeah. in... in uh, there's a scene in a parlor bedroom and bath where uh, he's a, just by the very nature of the name of that movie. It sounds boring. Yeah. He's this <laughs> he's this little uh, shrimpy guy. And he's sort of a he's this shy little. Oh, well, oh, well, I don't think I can do that. And this news reporter lady uh, played by Charlotte Greenwood, who's hilarious. And she's yeah. been like six foot two. Okay. And uh She's trying to teach him how to be a ladies' man and how to be passionate and right. how to be romantic and aggressive right, right. with women and all. And he's like five foot four. He's like, "Oh shucks, I don't know if I could do that." Oh boy. Right. She's right. you know six or eight inches taller than him. And so there's a scene. She's showing him and she's doing all these moves on him and throwing him around and dancing uh -huh. with him and and heavy <laughs> petting him. And he's like, "Oh my!" You know, it's just really funny. See the great right. big tall lady right. doing this to this little shrimpy guy. This is the gender reversal where yeah. it's like, yeah, and yeah. it's the woman is the big strong one and the and the man is the little shrimp. And it's yeah. just it's okay. great physical comedy. The two of them right. had great right. comedy in that scene. Uh, yeah. The rest of the movie's not so great. Yeah. Um, they they teamed him up with uh jimmy durante -cha 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 -cha. Oh, yeah 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 right right for uh i think yeah. three movies they did them together yeah with the eyes and the big nose yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah but where Bu where buster is the stone face jimmy durante uh -huh. you can't get a word in edgewise anyway right and he's and all his yeah. gags are yeah. he min he mispronounces words 
and he's uh, showing how low class he is. And it's a thing where it's an odd couple pairing, but neither of them is the straight man. And so it defaults to Buster being the straight man because he's quieter. And so it's the Jimmy Durante show. And then, oh, here's 10 seconds of Buster doing something. Anyway, back to the Jimmy Durante. And so they just, it wasn't a good pairing. So it just, it's paced awkwardly. Yeah. And so there is one of those things, two great tastes, lousy together. You know, chocolate and cheese. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about you. I mean, <laughs> I'll do a, I'll do a milk chocolate and a sharp cheddar any day of the week. <laughs> anyway, but they, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, it it wasn't it wasn't the best. Um, and so by the time he's paired up with Durante, he's showing up drunk to work. Yeah. He would get moody and just leave. Drunk on that milk chocolate and sharp cheddar. Yeah, he would just leave the set. He's like, oh, I don't yeah. know what this, and just leave because mm-hmm. the movie stank, according right. to him. And so, yeah. Um, so he because he wasn't checked in at that point. He, he yeah, was he like, was just you know, checked in. His his yeah. marriage was over. He couldn't see his kids mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he was a drunk. Uh, yeah, it was just right. bad. He he went to rehab. Uh, and they did aversion therapy. I'd never heard of aversion therapy for drinking, where you just pour liquor down your throat. And the oh, idea is it'll be so bad that you'll yeah. never want to touch it again. Right. It's right, like the right, smoke right. a box of cigars idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 yeah, the, the, uh, I, I, this one time it was so terrible and therefore yeah. I'll never do it again. Exactly. Yeah, right. So right. He's, it kept him. He sobered up for a few years. Uh, he married the nurse <laughs> from rehab. <laughs> he said he doesn't remember marrying her. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Good on him. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, he, uh, you fall in love with the caretaker. Yep. You know, uh, that they divorced shortly afterwards, a couple years later. He cheated on her with the wife of a copper tycoon. That's a sentence you don't hear much <laughs> of anymore. <laughs> No, you really don't. Um, I just have to imagine now that, like, during the cheating on the wife of the copper tycoon, that I, I just now have this kind of Buster Keaton image of him, like, stealing the Monopoly man's top hat and monocle <laughs> as he, like, sneaks out the door. You know? He's like, yeah. pardon me. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But and, and but he 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 did some pictures in Europe. He did a French picture, Le Roy de Champs Elysees. Uh, it has a that has a really good gag in it where okay. mirroring life, everything sucks. So he decides to kill himself. Mm-hmm. So he goes in the kitchen and he lays down in front of the oven and he turns the gas on. Uh, but right after he does that, the gas man comes and shuts it off because he hasn't paid the bill. <laughs> So, <laughs> just that's, that's a great gag yeah that's cute. that's a good gag that's cute uh yeah, yeah yeah he moves over to educational shorts the spice of the program that was their catchphrase uh, and he does the elmer pictures where he's elmer doolittle and these are pretty good they're not amazing they're pretty okay. good they're better than the columbia ones that he would do later um right. his stunt work is still there they're better than the mgm ones there's one, uh, there was a wrestling two-reeler 
the Paluka from Paducah. And in that one, his yeah. whole family's in it. His mom oh, wow. and his sister right. and his brother and him are all in right. it together. Oh, that's and cool. I swear to God, they all have the same face. <laughs> Buster and his mom and his sister and his brother all have the same face. Behold, the Keaton family. I, I feel sorry for all of them. Um, wow. Um, but they... So that one is pretty good. The one really good one is uh, Grand Slam Opera. That okay. one... Hey, guess who wrote and directed that one? Buster. Uh, of course. Okay. Um, all right, all right. He's the, so, of course, if he's writing, directing, and starring He came up it, with it, it's so it's good. much more entertaining. Yeah, he's running right, the right, show. Right. Oh, what do you know? When you let a genius right. do stuff, it comes out good. He, uh, right. he's a, he's a, he lives in a little podunk town and he thinks he can sing. And so he moves to the city to have a showbiz career. He tries all these routines. Right. He tries balancing things and he tries dancing and singing and all this. Right. There's a great scene where he's in the room, he's in his uh, hotel room or bedroom or whatever. And, yeah. uh, it's, it looks like it might have been a copy from uh, Top Hat, the Fred Astaire movie, uh, yeah. where he's tap dancing all in the hotel room, and the right. downstairs is the is the lady of the movie, and oh, I hate you, and uh, now oh, right. I wonder if we'll end up boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, right. But his he's tap dancing around the room, but when he climbs up on the table, he's like laboriously climbing up, and then he tap dances them, and then he stands on the mantle, and he's barely tap dancing because he's about to fall down. <laughs> And he leaps onto right. the bed and crashes right through the bed and into the floor. Nice. Just everything goes nice. right. It's hilarious. It's good right. stuff. Right. It reminds yeah. me a lot of Fred Astaire and it reminds me a lot of Donald O'Connor and Singing in the Rain. Yeah, I was going to say, it almost sounds like it's the like comedic antithesis of Fred Astaire. Yeah. Where Fred Astaire is just like delicately kind of ballet, uh, kind of flighting from, you know, surface to surface as he dances. He's thump, so... thump, thump. <laughs> Right, right. And so yeah. here comes here comes Buster Keaton, who's the antidote to that, yeah. where it's like clumpity, clumpity. Okay. If you ever say singing in the rain, the make them laugh, make them laugh. Right. The Donald right. O'Connor scene, which is the best part of that movie. It's like it's like that. It's mm. that. And coincidentally, okay. he would end up playing Buster Keaton in the Buster Keaton story. Oh, interesting. The biopic or biopic. Um, biopic. And he hears... Uh, He's on the radio and he, he hears a, a group on the radio playing this sort of international medley songs from around the world. And he's doing all these crazy Groucho dances. That's good stuff. It's right. funny. He does a juggling act on the radio. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, right. So that's yeah, a good one. I was going to say, this, this starts to get into uh, some of the gags that we're, fa- that, that we're favorites of. Uh, almost starts to sound python-esque yeah like you know i mean and 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 he's and he's rotating the uh the the three bowling pins in the air and he sits there and he's narrating he's like okay well here i go juggle first i take this empty whiskey bottle are you sure it's empty yeah i made sure of that Uh, i balance it on the back of my hand like that and i turn it a half somersault and catch it on the end of my finger Did you do it? Yeah, he did it. <laughs> I did it. And now, friends, we will have your favorite request. 
It's horrible radio. It's great. I'm not going to lie. It's hilarious. No matter how many times I see that gag through the hundred plus years of cinema that exists, I love it. Because I I love that whole concept of uh, this is the wrong media format to be doing this. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So then his, his, his drinking and gambling and everything's messed up. So they, they, they stop making movies with him and he becomes a gag writer. He goes back to okay. MGM and he's writing gags. He wrote gags for the last okay. three Marx Brothers movies, uh, The Circus, uh, Big Store, you know. and Go West. Oh, wow. Okay. He was uh, he was on the set for them. And he complained about them because he's like, again, this is his engineer mechanic mentality. Yeah, he's right. like, well, you know, right. we show up and we do the thing and we figure out how it's going to work and then you shoot it. And he right. said, working with the Marx Brothers, you'd have two of them, and then the other one would run yeah. away, and, and you'd have to go find him. And while you're finding him, the other two would run <laughs> away, and it's just like in their movies. Right. <laughs> and he said it was the most aggravating so crap in the Buster world. So here's Buster Keaton trying to, like, set up a very complex mechanical yeah. gag he's come up with. And they just and the off. actual Marx Brothers are <laughs> behaving is the same way as they do in the movie. So, oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, he liked writing gags for other people, but... He, right. uh, so he does that for a couple of years and then he goes over to Columbia doing shorts. I got to ask you, uh, before you move on, is there, do they, was there, were there any sort of anecdotes that came back from the Marx brothers about working with him? Were, were the Marx brothers ever like, nah. you know, Oh my God, we can't believe we worked with Buster Keaton. No. And I mean, yeah, I read, I read, uh, I loved Harpo's book. Harpo speaks. I've read, yeah. uh, two or three of Groucho's books. And no, I didn't see anything in there. Hmm. No, that's unfortunate. All right, all right. But he, uh, anyway, so he goes over to Columbia and he does more shorts for them. And these are the worst ones of his career. Yeah. Um, the director right. is, it's usually Jules White directing, and he was a big Three Stooges director. So it's well, okay. basically looks like Three Stooges, but uh, instead of three professional comedians, one, and then some like yeah. guys. Some like day actors playing the the roles yeah. of Larry and Curly. <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. Uh, one of them. So you're relying on one comedian to to pull the train, and, and the rest of it's garbage day. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's just the written by committee blandness. Yeah. Right. And I would right. much rather watch something awful than bland any day. Because this moves into the same. I mean, this is what now? Forties. This right? is thirty nine to forty one. Yeah, so we're moving into the era of the um, the rule the rule based Hollywood, where where everything has to be has to be made based on oh. um, kind of the 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 cinema rule sets about you know certain people. I can't remember what it is, but I remember there was that that, that most sort picture. of the sort of censor rules, the review board. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that was yeah. that was yeah. uh, in the thirties in into the forties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, through through the yeah, war, American Movie Council. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Through the war, the the review board had to check everything. Uh, right. You know, like the gangster movies, you couldn't glorify the gangster. The cops always had to win right. in the end. That's why, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, in the like Jimmy Cagney gangster movies, he has a wonderful time killing people and selling drugs and yeah. raping and pillaging right. and murdering for an hour and a half. And then in the last 10 right. seconds, the police kill him. So, you know, crime doesn't pay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> hey, message paid off. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it's it's that stuff. But it's mostly just everything's by committee. And so uh, I, I wrote down one line. This is from Moochin' Through Georgia. Hey, boys, do you like ham? Oh boy, ham, ham, hey, ham. It's guys running around excited about ham. Say, listen, I got an idea. You like ham? Ooh, you bet. Ham, ham, sure. And that's not the joke. That's the setup to the joke is they're all running to go get some ham. And then he does it. It's like, what are you talking about? idiot? It's not even a joke. Exactly. It's like, it's very, that's that's like the standout line of that picture. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like the only way that that would work is if it was like some sort of psych gag. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Or if you made it a worse line. Yeah. But, uh, but the one, but something good at Columbia. He did something yeah. like 15 reels or 15 pictures over there. Something good right. that came out of those. Um, the women that he worked with, in six of them, he was with Dorothy Appleby, who was in some Three Stooges stuff. And she was funny. They worked well together. And five of them, he was with Elsie Ames. And Elsie okay. Ames, she was hilarious. Okay. She was really right. funny. She could have been like another stooge very physical okay uh not afraid to take a fall she was really really funny there's a scene in his ex marks the spot where he thinks he's picking up a big trunk he and you know lifting it onto his back but it's actually her neck and he lifts and he flips her over (laughs) and she falls it's like a wrestling move okay oh wow and she takes it (laughs) like a champ oh wow that's awesome. And I'm like, wow, okay, man, okay. And yeah, right. it's one of these, like, it's a wide, continuous shot. And you're like, that's definitely her taking a fall. Like, she's tough. And, right. she, and her physical and comedy is really funny. Okay. Um, all right, all right. Yeah, it's it's great. She's Elsie Ames. She's really funny. And Dorothy Appleby. She was, she was really funny, too. Okay. So now right. that's sort of the low nadir of of Buster's crappy life 1940 he gets married again to Eleanor Norris they stay Uh married till he dies she dries him out she cleans him up she gets him back to work okay Uh, he goes back to writing gags at MGM he settles into a happy life things are steady he his sons are grown so he can see them again yeah. Um, and so it's sort of just a quiet five or ten years. I'm just, you know, and he's like, this is just right. the rest of my right. life is quiet. Yeah. 
right. I'll write a gag and get paid, and that's cool. And then he starts to rise back up in his career, and he's about to sign on the dotted line, and then, boom, no. heart attack. He, <laughs> people rediscover him. Come on, man. People rediscover him around it's, 1950 or so. I almost got it. <laughs> he gets back, and people say, hey, wait a minute. I remember you when I was a kid. I got a TV show. Why don't you come be on this uh, show? Can you still uh, do neat, some of those neat. old bits? Could you do them on the show? Right. He worked with right. Red Skelton. Right. Red Skelton remade uh, The General. Oh, wow. And he, was, oh, he wow. helped him out with that. And they came up with some new gags. He had a cameo in Sunset Boulevard. He had a couple of short-lived TV shows wow. um, huh. where they redid old bits. He, uh, Charlie Chaplin, one of his last movies, Limelight, him and Chaplin have a scene uh-huh. together where they play old old washed up vaudevillians going out one last time Which is like a perfect yeah, and it's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. time they right, appeared right. together on film okay. was limelight but and it's like a two minute time. scene it's nice yeah it's a perfect hot tip yeah um yeah. he's in a mad 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 world he was in a great twilight zone episode where he time travels from really? the 60s back to like the 10s and it's silent era and there's no sound huh. And they shoot it like, oh, <laughs> man, that's a great episode of The Twilight Zone. Oh, that's cool. I have to go dig that oh, up. Oh, it's good. Um, yeah. He had weird cameos, like he was in the Frankie and Annette Beach movies. He was in a few yeah. of them. He had a good uh, cameo, and a funny thing happened to me on the way to, on the, way to the forum. The oh. uh, Zero Mostel and uh, Phil Silver's movie, directed by yeah. one of our favorites, Richard Lester, Dick Lester. Who did uh, uh, yeah, Help yeah. and uh, Hard Day's uh, Night yeah. and uh, right, right. the uh, Bed Sitting Room that the uh, Spike Milligan did? Um, yeah. And I love Buster. It's a funny movie. It's a fun movie. But I love mm. Buster more than anything in that movie because he's this little old man. And they tell him early on in the movie, if you want your kids to come back to Rome or whatever the legend is, yeah. You have to run around the seven hills of Rome seven times. So oh, here's no. little old Buster Keaton, and he runs away. Yeah. And every right. 15 minutes or so, he'll run across the screen, just this old man running, <laughs> running, running across the screen, and then he goes away again. And it's about the third time I saw this movie. Yeah. I went, oh my God, it's a it's running a gag. Running joke. <laughs> Oh no, oh, it's a beautiful. running joke. That's beautiful. Oh no. <laughs> and then I was delighted for the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, that's so charming. So good. So stupid. It's a running gag. Oh my god. Um love it. And then he would do weird stuff like he did uh he did an industrial movie for John Deere. Uh he did a he did a safety movie for the Construction Safety Board of Canada called The Scribe, <laughs> and The Scribe that's a pretty funny movie. It's this guy he goes around with the rules for how to be safe on the job site, and he goes around where they're building some building, and he says, "Hey, you," he points at the rule, "You're not doing this." Oh, okay, and a bunch mm. of goofy slapstick stuff happens, and it's really funny. Right. And he's like right. seventy, right. and it's funny. Yeah. And it's good times. Um, but around this time he does, uh, the rail rotter, which okay. is, uh, this, it's a, it, it, uh, the national film board in Canada, the NFB, mm-hmm. God bless them. 
Their YouTube right. channel is filled with wonderful stuff. I love the National Film Board up in Canada. Oh wow! Now I'm kind of curious. I go to check YouTube that out. and right. go to NFB. That is the group I believe is the ones who put out my favorite cartoon, The Big Snit. I love The right. Big Snit okay. endlessly. Every second okay. of it is wonderful and hilarious, gut busting hilarious. Right. Um, but uh, it's uh, this guy. It's so funny. It opens. Buster Keaton is standing there in London, and he opens the newspaper, and it says, mm-hmm. "An ad says, see Canada." And so he thinks, and he jumps off the bridge into the Thames and starts swimming. And the next scene is him walking ashore on the eastern shore of Canada. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. And he, Perfect. he shakes Perfect. off the wet and he goes up and there's a railroad. The, yeah. And there's a, li- there's a guy on brake walks over off screen and he has left a little speed buggy that runs on the railroad tracks. Okay. A little like natural gas powered oh, no. uh, okay. speeder. That runs right. on the tracks. And so he sits down in that okay. and starts going. Right. Okay. And the movie is okay. him going from the East Coast, from the Atlantic to the Pacific, across Canada. Of Canada. Okay. Right. And they made it up as they went. Oh, that's fantastic. Just like oh, the wonderful. old days. Here's 71 right, Buster right. Keaton. And they, while they were filming it, they filmed a documentary of it called Buster Keaton Rides Again. Oh, beautiful. And it's twice as long as the movie. The Rail Rodder's about half an hour, and they're both on YouTube. The Rail Rodder's right. about half an hour. Buster Keaton Rides Again is about yeah. 50 minutes. And okay. I watched them last week, and they're just the most charming, wonderful, funny things. Mm-hmm. And the Rail Rodder has all these great gags, all these wonderful gags. I'm going to have to. And they're all just the right. timing. And you know, there's right. you, you can see, and there's a scene in he rides again where he's talking with the alleged director of the movie. It's really the Buster Keaton show, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like, they're sitting there like, all right, well, we got this tunnel. What could we do with this tunnel? Well, right. if the map is blowing in my face and I can't see where I'm going, then that's a better gag. And right, then we right, cut, right, 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 and. You know, they're, they're we got this tunnel. What can we do with that? Well, here's a flock of ducks. Yeah. What can we do with that? Oh, here's a gag that we could do with a flock of ducks. Well, let's film it. Right. Um, right. You know, here's this tunnel. There's some like, there's some construction guys in there that barely speak in English. They they were uh, what right. were they? They were Italian, I think. And so, someone knows a few words of broken Italian, and so they talk to these you know, railroad construction guys. And they're like, hey, let be want to be in a movie? I need you to go from here to here and do this. Oh, okay. Right, right. <laughs> and, but to see him coming up with the gags on the spot, yeah. seeing it happen, it's the right, only chance right. you get to see that. And it's like the last and, thing okay, that he did okay. before he died. Right. And oh, to see wow. him 100% there. Yeah. Going, oh yeah, well, if we did that, okay, then we could do this over there. And you see what a quiet guy he was. There, they did a, you, they did a. This is your life, and mm-hmm. it's the most awkward episode you've ever seen, because they surprise right. him coming out of an elevator and bring him into the studio, and the whole time he's just sitting there. And someone that he hasn't seen in twenty years will say, "Oh, Buster, I remember you did this in this movie, and uh-huh. we were in it together, and you did this thing." Was, oh right. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's just this quiet, shy little guy. Right. And his wife right. comes out and goes, did you arrange this? Did you set this up? Oh, he's like, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it later. It's like, oh, and, but right. he's just this quiet guy. And then when you see him in his element, 
Yeah. He's the boss and he's alive and he's his brain's going a hundred miles an hour and he's, he's a totally different person and he's he's driving. And he's telling guy. the director me, me. it only it'll only work if you shoot it from this angle and it has to cut right <laughs> at this moment or else it's not gonna work. Right. Laying right. out the architecture. He's got all of this kind of built in into yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just all wonderful. Right. Right. Wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um Buster Keaton rides again and the rail rotter kind of go together. Um Right. And then he died of lung cancer yeah. in 1966. Ooh. His wife, Ooh. Eleanor, didn't tell him what it was. The doctor told her, mm-hmm. and she didn't tell him. She didn't want him to be afraid. It was, right. it was too oh. far gone to do anything. So he uh, died. He thought it was bronchitis. He didn't know. He didn't when know. He, died, he, he didn't thought know it was a bad case of bronchitis. Oh. The day that he died, he was in the hospital, walking up, pacing up and down, playing cards all day. And then he just, he died. And his last, his final requests was for his wife in one pocket in his suit at the funeral. One pocket, she put a rosary. The other pocket, she put a deck of cards. So he said, whichever direction he went, he'd be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, I'll be ready. <laughs> so that's Buster Keaton's career, yeah. and he's just a mm. giant. He's so good. I just love him. He's funnier mm-hmm. than Charlie Chaplin. He's a better actor than Harold Lloyd. Mm-hmm. The only person that I can think of in the same vein is Jackie yeah. Chan. Of okay. being With the physical so funny the physical humor. while yeah. getting beat up. Yeah. <laughs> and and just the sheer, how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, some of the some of the early stuff, and then the and then the the early to mid '90s stuff that Jackie Chan pulled mind off blowing was just bonkers, just yeah. amazing like stuff. He's, yeah, where he's just he never stops moving. Yeah, but at the same time, when he does stop moving to deliver a line, it's like, oh my god, that's he's hilarious. A funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's his, that's the only one I can think of who comes close. He's just it's because there's no pathos. There's no right. sad clown. There's no romance. Right, right, right. He tries to he tries to chase the woman, the character. but there's right. no romance. He's a schlub, right. or he's a dork, right. or he's a yeah. he's a wuss. He's a wimp. He's a weenie. Right. He's a he's an oddball. He's a weirdo. He's there's something wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, he and usually he gets, ends up I, getting the girl, but that's sort of beside the point. <laughs> right, and I would assume that a portion of the ability to pull off the character so consistently is that face of his. Because it's that like, because he can look like dead. he's so detached. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's just, it's the greatest. And because he's an engineer, mechanically minded, mm-hmm. He's not thinking, right. well, how can we get, how can we evoke the most emotion? You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, if you look at an Adam Sandler movie or an Owen Wilson movie, a Ben Stiller movie or, a, you know, whatever right. kind of movie. Right, right. There's always, it has to get sad. And there's 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes, mm-hmm. oh, I hope it'll all work out for the guy yeah. who doesn't deserve the women right. in these movies because he's a jerk. Right, so that if you stick with the dopey trope, then it makes... It, it seems to play off that the punch is that, oh, well, he ended up with Yeah, him. there's yeah. none of that. There's oh, none of that charming. schmaltz. Yeah. There's none of that right, pathos. Because right. there's no time That's for good. that. We, we have to get in more right. gags. 
he wants to right. maximize right. because he's an engineer he wants to maximize the potency he needs right. to cram in as many laughs as possible into two reels <laughs> or into 50 minutes or into 66 minutes or whatever the time is like, okay, well I need to get more. What? No, that wasn't quite right. good. I can, I can fall funnier than that. I can fit more punch into this. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I mean, I'll never till the day I die. I'm never going to forget his face sliding in the dirt in steamboat bill <laughs> jr. It's just, once you see it, you're like, yeah. Oh my God, you did that. You put yourself through that yeah. for me. It's right, a gift right, for, for me. For us, the audience. Yeah. It's just yeah. incredible. I had to go and I had to find out whether he would, uh, whether any of his cinema, because you're talking about such a large bulk body of work. I had to go see if any of it had been uh, on MSD3K and apparently it had not. No, he so, was kind of uh, outside their timeline. Well, well I mean, maybe like some the of the educational stuff. stuff. But yeah, yeah well, really. it was it was the educational stuff that I was thinking of, because as soon as you talked about him being in. Oh, no, that was like, the name of the company. Videos. It wasn't educational. Like, here's how to do a thing. That was the name of the company <laughs> was educational pictures. They the did name? slapstick two reelers. Oh. The, they started out. They started out as making educational films, industrial films oh, and okay. school films. <laughs> And then they're That's like, fantastic. oh, we can make a lot more money of guys beating each other up. We Let's do that comedy instead. We all the place educational pictures and just do comedy movies. Yeah, slapstick pays oh, better. Funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Buster Keaton. And, and, and the, to tie it up, the moral of the story of Buster Keaton, if you are lucky enough to run a studio or a label or a network or a streaming platform, and you have someone enormously talented. You walk away. You do your job. <laughs> and they do their job. Let them right. Right. do the, 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 the funny or the, the, or the amazing or the singing yeah. or the dancing or the acting or whatever, right. the stunts, whatever it is they do. Let them do that. And you just yeah. maximize search engine optimization and cheat on your taxes you do that stuff and let yeah, you go handle the back end right you don't need right. nine writers and four producers telling buster keaton what right. to do yeah you yeah. worry about the money let him worry about right. the funny and you'll all be happy at the end yeah. of the day hey that was good that rhyme that was good that was uh that was well oh, played yeah that money and well, funny was... i didn't even imagine yeah. good job yeah yeah um but yeah uh, and like i say right almost there. all of his movies are on YouTube the the ones that he stars yeah. in, not the ones where he has cameos. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I did a quick count. He was in about 125 movies. Uh, wow. The ones that I listed, awesome. and we've been talking for two and a half hours now. Uh, I, right. I talked about about 25, maybe 30 of them. So just a chunk. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But if you're gonna go, so yeah, that's intimidating. There's a lot out there. If you're gonna watch Buster Keaton. Steamboat Bill Jr., The General, yeah. The Cameraman, right. Sherlock Jr., and One Week, yeah. and The Rough House. The, go watch any of those. They're all on YouTube. That's the definitive filmography. All of yeah. them are on YouTube, and they're all they're better than any comedy that came out this year. That is really interesting that the um, 
I guess the the 100 years has passed with them. So the yeah, any sort of well, also some of it, um, the Disney rule wasn't in effect yet when the copyright lapsed because uh, the Disney okay. rule didn't huh. come into effect till like the 70s or something where it had to be yeah. 75 years after the person died or whatever whatever the law right, is for right. copyright now right, right, right. Okay. Huh. but yeah so that's that's supposed to keep I've been I've been itching I've been chomping at the bit to talk about him for about a month and a half. And since it's been right. two and a half hours, oh my God, I can't believe it's been two and a half hours of me talking. Yeah. It's obvious how much I love this guy. Um, Apparently so. The, and like I say, he's from the 20s, so yeah. once in a while racism pops up, but almost never. Yeah. It's not right, an issue right. like it is with Donald Duck or Bugs mm, Bunny yeah. or... Yeah. Truman Capote or Peter Sellers or <laughs> yeah or yeah. Uh, PewDiePie. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, yeah. That's ninety nine percent of his stuff is good, clean violence mm-hmm. and Pratt Falls. Right. He's just fun. <laughs> He's the best. He's and the king. His, He's the best. Putting his face in the dirt for everybody else. Amazing guy, and he's yeah. so good. When Michael Keaton got his, uh, he joined the the union, the actors' union. His Michael Keaton's name is Michael Douglas. There is okay. already a Michael Douglas. So uh-huh. hmm, what am I gonna name myself? I'll have to think of a new name. Uh, well, Buster mm-hmm. Keaton was really good. How about Michael Keaton? That's where that's where oh, that comes from. All right. So Michael Keaton chose his Hollywood stage name because he needed a name and he thought who's great Buster Keaton let's do Keaton (laughs) yeah what about um Diane Keaton is she related to Buster Keaton I don't think so no no his uh his two sons Mm -hmm. one one was like a producer and the other was like an art Mm -hmm. director or something they were like on the back end of the business but right. uh, no, they they uh, he you know no relation to Diane. Okay, all right, yeah. Right. Well, this has been amazing, Dan, and I I really appreciate you telling me all about um, Buster Keaton. Uh, I uh, I hope it wasn't tedious. Because I I know no, it's it's the no, thing with a with a show tedious. like this where it's like I love this so much I'm gonna talk about it for two and a half hours. Oh right. no, I hope I didn't lose everyone two hours ago. <laughs> because I'm also talking about a silent film star in audio. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. No, I, I, I need to I'm really curious now. I'm gonna go over uh to YouTube after this is done. I'm gonna watch um as much of this as I can get access to. And I actually while we were talking I found Buster Keaton GIFs on Twitter and I subscribed Hell to that yeah. so I now have that too break up the nightmarish endless hellscape of death that is yeah. um <laughs> if you can't so, quit yeah. at least so, break it up with some happy yeah exactly exactly um yeah i uh the um yeah i think i mentioned this earlier at the top of the hour but like you know the thing i always think of when i think of buster keaton is i know that you and i have seen endless buster keaton clips in Space Ghost, Cartoon Planet, um, maybe not in MSD. Obviously, my Google search uh, was uh, uh, went nowhere. But um, th- that 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 um, that '90s era of pastiche TV, yeah, 
uh, you know, they were definitely pulling from old Buster Keaton film, the Charlie Chaplin film. Yeah. Um, oh, we need those scenes. Here's some have... black and white. Uh, here's a, you know, what is it? Uh, the best of them is the monkey washing a, yeah. a cat. That's pretty good. Yeah. Monkey giving a cat a bath. Right. That's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Commercials I know endlessly used, you know, out of time, you know, and you got the guy hanging off the, Lloyd, you know, the clock. Yes, sir. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, um, house problems got you down and then they show Buster Keaton and Steamboat Bill, you Kaboom, know, yeah. the thing falls forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because why not? You yeah, know, yeah. I could do an original commercial or I could rely on a comedian from 100 years ago <laughs> to uh, do the gag for me about home insurance. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Well, that's this is this has really been fantastic, Dan, and I, I appreciate yeah, it. Um, who's singing the outro? Uh, you did the intro, so I'll do the outro. All right, take it away, Dan. Ha 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 